Uh, I'm curious if you would weigh in. We were having uh, Jonathan Greenblatt from ADL here uh, yesterday about this issue uh, on Twitter uh, about anti-Semitism. Um, we raised a lot of different issues. Clearly, Elon Musk is upset with him, thinking that he is uh, effectively preventing advertisers from, from advertising on the platform at the same time that he thinks that anti-Semitism is, is spreading, on, spreading on the platform. Where do you stand? If I had a problem that I did not see an ending to, I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Now, are we going to follow the siren song of populism away from the timeless conservative principles of the Republican Party? Uh, right. To whom are you referring? Right. Well, look, I, I, you look at this Republican field, whether it's uh, my former running mate or some of his imitators. news with resistance chicks we're your hosts leah and michelle it's a friday which means we're going to bring you this week's top news stories one of which elon musk is threatening to sue the anti-defamation league isn't yeah. that their job yeah that's why he's suing to sue yeah yeah because they're defaming twitter uh, x leah x you mean yeah. the platform formerly known formerly new, known as twitter i can't even say that Jeez, I'm really struggling here. Okay, so wait a minute. So Megan Kelly comes out, says she regrets getting the vaccine. Yeah, she's worried. She's worried she's going to die early. Hey, Megan, there's a lot of doctors on Brighteon.tv uh, that could help, help you. Help you detox from Detox that. you from that. Okay, so wait a minute. A doctor is saying that there are no safeguards needed for transgender surgeries for kids. They're all saying that on the left. Yeah, but then when they come out and say, hey, kids just know what they, they need for their bodies. There's a safeguard. Why not drink alcohol? There's Why not a, get tattoos? There's a safeguard needed for, a, like, eating a lollipop. I mean, there's a safeguard for everything. Dogs, Don't yeah. tell me. Come Exactly. Hot dogs are a choking hazard. All right, we've got Peter Navarro found guilty by the D.C. jury, uh, predicts that Trump will win 2024. We've got that and so much more coming up right after these messages. Don't go anywhere. We're excited to be here. Hope you are, too. So when the White House asked Facebook to censor Tucker Carlson, mm -hmm. Facebook responded by saying, well, we can't exactly take down his posts and his video because he's speaking fact. But what we can do is we can reduce his reach for you. Right. This is called shadow banning. The, it, it's, I guess that's the nice way to put it. This is called the government. This is called tyranny. I meant the actual act. Yes. No. The government reaching into Facebook to censor people is called tyranny. It is on the things direct that are factual. Right. Well, even if it wasn't factual, have you seen the National Enquirer and Godzilla pictures? You have the right. Right? I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. Your First Amendment rights, they literally take them and they stomp on them yeah, and then they laugh strange. at you. You're allowed to talk about aliens, though. And you're kind of allowed to right. talk about Area 51. Um, I think I haven't actually seen any uh, Facebook fact checks on the moon landing. Mm. So what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, if they haven't fact checked it, if you if it's, you know, somebody comes out and says we didn't land on the moon, they don't fact check it. 
Well, Facebook, I guess it's truthful. All right, so even Twitter has this freedom of, uh, so I'm gonna put a caveat on this particular okay. clip. I have no idea Because Joe Rogan and Tulsi are coming in saying, what if Elon hadn't bought Twitter? Because right now on Twitter, you are allowed to say things. You're allowed to say everything, okay? Doesn't mean that people are gonna see it, but if people go to your page, they'll let you. But before, they would ban you for saying it. Sure. So I guess that's one step in the right direction. Now, Elon's upset because uh, Elon- Is it a step in the right direction? Because I would rather just know. Okay, you don't want me on the platform. You, you're not going to let people hear what I have to say. Just kick me off versus no, shadow no. banning me and not letting anybody no, see there what is, I have to say and I don't even know. I think Twitter is the release valve. I mean, having the doctors back on Twitter to be able to say certain, certain things, I think... Um, People were going literally insane. So I would say it is a step in it is a it is a step in the right direction being able to say what we need to say. Dr. Ken Penny can say what she needs to say. There are certain people that aren't left, aren't back on Twitter, but because of the Twitter files, we know for a fact. Mm. So you you have the information for $44 billion, basically, on what the left was um, and the basically Democrats in the the powers that be, the FBI, the CIA, the deep state, were doing to censor Americans. So I'm going to play this clip, and I, I want to acknowledge that there is a shift happening, but un- unfortunately within Twitter, and I'm going to talk about this as well, there are gatekeepers even within Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and so there are certain things you can't technically say on Twitter, and I'm still not back on Twitter. Although you did change your name. I did. resistance chicks, I so did. they can find you there. You can find us on resistance chicks. And you're allowed to have the whole, I even uh, am allowed to have the K. So before we were resistance chicks because there were only so many letters, so it was yeah. resistance chicks just C. Right. So but you didn't change your at. No, it's at Leah Swenson. Right. Okay. All right, let's roll this clip. Imagine where we would be right now if Elon didn't buy Twitter. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Thank God. None of that stuff would, none of the Twitter files would have been no, exposed. We would not have known. Yeah. And he just made a tweet yesterday about uh, Facebook. See if you can find the Facebook tweet where he's talking about Facebook censoring people um, for ad revenue, even in and, and limiting their post, even if what they're saying is true, yeah. which is which is where it gets really creepy. Yeah, you know, because it's one of the things that uh, happened with Tucker Carlson. They they demoted his video, so it was seen by approximately fifty percent less people. They limited the reach. Mm. And what he was saying was absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Nothing he was saying is inaccurate. Mm-hmm. And they got a note from the federal government, you need to do something about this, to take it down. They said, we can't take it down yeah. because it's true. Yeah. They said, well, you need to demote it. Here it is. The Facebook cave to far-left pressure groups and now allows them to silently dictate policy in exchange for ad money. I think the, the big news that, that people should take away from what you just said, Joe, is... The, the, the excuse that these corporations always give is like, hey, we're private companies. We can do whatever we want. But the fact that we are now seeing more and more evidence that they are censoring people at the direction of people in the White House and people in the federal government or the FBI or other law enforcement agencies is is the most chilling violation of, of our First Amendment rights. You know, and that's the rub of it. At first, it was just oh, it's their platform and they can choose if they want to, to, you know, restrict what is shown on their platform. But now we are seeing that even that, and that's a wrong statement, by the way, we've talked about that ad nauseum. We're seeing the government literally is pulling the trigger on this stuff. Well, and they have been since 2016. Absolutely. Um, they, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, 
that you're right and you don't know what to do about it. And so we kind of always feel like we're in a pickle. And I think that if in the beginning, the truth about the vaccine were was allowed to be out there, a lot of people like a Megyn Kelly would not mm. have gotten it. Let's go ahead and roll this clip. I regret getting the vaccine, even though I'm a 52-year-old woman, because I don't think I needed it. I think I would have been fine. I'd got COVID many times and I it was well past when the vac vaccine was doing what it was supposed to be doing. Um, and then for the first time, I tested positive for an autoimmune issue at my annual physical. Hmm. And I asked, I went to the best rheumatologist in New York and I asked her, do you think this could have to do with the fact that I got the damn booster and then got COVID within three weeks? And she said, yes, yes. I wasn't the only one she'd seen that way. So wait a minute. So she got COVID three weeks after she got the, the booster. Sorry for the curse word there. Um, and so it's essentially, she Megyn Kelly is still not getting it, okay? Because she's saying that she doesn't think that she needed it. First of all, it's killing people. No one needs it. Like she, anyone needs the COVID vaccine like they need a bullet to the brain. And I can say that on the Brighton Network. Thank you. But then she says, I got COVID three weeks after I got the vaccine. And booster. do you, or excuse me, the booster, the do you think one. that that has, it could have anything to do with this autoimmune disease or disorder that I now have? And she says, absolutely. And it's almost like she's still saying, I got COVID and the vaccine or the booster, it was the bad timing. No, you probably got COVID from the booster. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. even now, Megyn Kelly isn't getting it. Well, we do know that if she if she got the one-two punch yeah, and she supposedly got COVID, mm -hmm. um, what was happening is that the reason the Delta was so deadly yeah. is because of the vaccine. Exactly. And so this is something that we really have to unwind and unpack for people because people were not dying in large numbers uh, until the Delta. Right. Everybody that I've talked to mm -hmm. was in the hospital on the ventilator because of the Delta. Right. Not because of anything else. It was only after the vaccines rolled out. Okay. Right. And we do, there was, uh, Ron Johnson said, look at these numbers. We know that the vaccines started to roll out slowly in January and February of 2021. Right. And then, so people were getting people were getting their vaccines and they were getting their boosters, and so basically they're starting to get them around March and April. Mm -hmm. Within weeks, there was this outbreak in June in the southern part of the nation, uh, mostly in Florida, probably because a majority of elderly people live in Florida right. and they're vaccinated and boosted. Yeah, right. So they start because Trump told them all to get the vaccine. So they start to become these vectors because we know if you've got the spike protein, you yeah. can shed it. Yeah. So they're shedding the actual virus, whatever this is made in lab, whatever we want to call it. They're shedding the, the, the venom. They're shedding it. OK. And it's it's easy for me to understand because people you get when you like a lot of times when you get a vaccine, like if you get a you know, chicken pox vaccine or something, you can end up with a few chicken pox. Because the virus is in your body. Yeah, exactly. And the thing with this mRNA is it's changing your DNA, okay? And you've got this overload of spike protein. And so in your body, your body is trying to fight off what you've given it with the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And then you are spreading this to other people in a more potent, more violent form. And we, I believe that the vaccine was actually formulated to do this. 
And then our bodies, after it went through, have now fought it to the point where it's now more like a common cold. Yeah. Because your bodies will fight it off. We saw that with the first round of COVID, so many people said, I think I had it. 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 But they lived. Right. And very few people went to the hospital with it. Right. Right. And the hospitals weren't acting like it was uh, that big of a deal either. Okay. Um, so this is there, and the and in addition, there was treatments mm-hmm. and Pierre Corey and the FLCC and the and the and the fight against people for getting treatment was insane, and then telling people to to not even try an antibiotic. You know they try antibiotic for a splinter. That's <laughs> true. You know yeah. you got you got a little you got a little infection in your eye. Well, I or your eyes itchy. Let's try some antibiotics. They like they, anything well, they, is they've an been trying to get less in that because but of they really do. Bugs, but but yeah. they do go to antibiotics. That's your right. first line of defense. And it, and and they wouldn't even try it. They wouldn't even try it. Oh, it's a virus. We're not even trying an antibiotic on it. Well, guess what? There was a bacterial uh, component to this, mm-hmm. and especially bacterial pneumonia, and the breathing. And on top of that, we find out that uh, doxycycline. And other antibiotics are actually what? Anti-inflammatories. Exactly. Okay. And so we actually have to reformulate in our brain the, the using of antibiotics because none of us really want to use them. But in this case, when you're dealing with a new virus, then you start hitting things. You start, you kind of like every person is a trial, right? Mm. And you're like, well, let's try A, B, C, or D that maybe has worked in the past on certain things. And you try those things that you know don't really have side effects. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like- Hey, people get it. How about ivermectin? How about ivermectin? It's been used for years without side effects. Hydroxychloroquine literally has zero side effects. And they've been using it for decades. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I want to encourage you guys because everybody is getting this phlegmy thing right now. Okay. Can I tell them what we're doing? We've taken prophylactically things, yeah. uh, ivermectin, and yeah. um, we have because we have frontline doctors, because we have doctors on hand, yeah. and you guys should call like Dr. Syed Hyder, my go-to doc, yeah. uh, and get yourself to have these things to have on hand beforehand. Like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And now we've entered into cold season, which is, you And know- it wouldn't hurt if you're going to go into a large group of people to um, take some ivermectin or take some hydroxychloroquine. That's I'm not what your doctor, do. but that's, that's what, what we do. We do. Right. Uh, and that's what the, the, the doctors are, are telling people to do and encouraging people to do. And that's what this prophylactic hydroxychloroquine. We're also doing elderberry syrup tincture and other things that are also um, immune Actually, system builders and whatnot. We'll start back up on that because yeah. we haven't been using elderberry. Right. But I'm just saying that should. that's what, those are the things that we use. Yeah. We do more than just ivermectin. Prior to ivermectin, we were doing the old We take vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, echinacea, you know, the whole nine yards. Yeah. So I want to encourage you guys, don't be afraid. And uh, don't be afraid to take some new snacks with this one. And don't be afraid to, so go to Leah's, um, go to resistancechicks.com and put the word bug in the search bar and read Leah's two articles, what to do if your family gets the bug and what to do before you get the bug. And those um, are really great places to start. One of the things that we use is a nebulizer, which we did not do that before. So if we're around a big crowd of people and they may have been sick, then we're going to come home and we're going to use the peroxide and we're going to nebulize and kind of clean out that airway system because we do know that what happens is these viruses get into your nasal passages and into your throat and then that's where they seed so into the yeah if i'm going to go around a large group of people throughout the winter yeah um, i'll probably take my nasal spray and you can do two different kinds of three different kinds of nasal sprays and you can make them yourself too as well um you can do the iodine nasal sprays and the recipes for that are on the frontline doctor or yeah. the the flccc the frontline critical care right uh and I, it's they're in my my blog 
Yeah, it's great. Okay. All of it. So you can make those, or you can do a collodial silver nasal spray. Right. But don't do both of them because they are they react. Mm -hmm. Iodine and collodial silver. Guys, react. we have spent two years, two solid years on this. It's, we're not doctors, but it's like this is so our experience. This is what they're telling us to do, and also. Um, there's a certain kind you have to look it up uh, in my blog, a certain kind of mouthwash to gargle with yeah, to kill. And exactly, you can actually, like I said, that's where it sees because they would tell wells. you to drink water. If you're going to be around people, at least drink water. So that you're like at least getting it down into the stomach acid. And if you're not doing, it's like, you know, in Listerine or whatever, but you can also gargle with, um, a collodial silver or gargle with uh, a couple drops of iodine or gargle with a couple drops of uh, food grade peroxide. And and just you're cleaning things out. You're making sure that bacteria and These viruses don't have a place. These things that just make sense. Yeah, place to stay. They just make sense. Right, okay. So that to take the fear out of the, the congestion and everything that people are getting right now. All right, so speaking of doctors getting it wrong, uh, we've done three episodes on our Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays. Uh, we did Margaret Sanger and eugenics, population control, uh, we did Alfred Kinsey twice. Um, do not ever just trust the science. Don't trust, don't just trust doctors. Because eugenics was a nationwide science. Science. That spread mm -hmm. across the world. Yeah, we had the, the our, it was. You kill the least fit. Yeah. And you encourage the breeding mm -hmm. of the most fit. Yeah. That's eugenics. That's eugenics, basically. And you sterilize, basically. And you sterilize. You sterilize. Yeah. You, you, you abort. Right. The, the, those who would, well, in Nazi Germany, they were literally killing them. Yeah. Eugenics leads to actual murder of the disabled because you don't want them to procreate and mm -hmm. they're a drain on society. And that was based in the American eugenics. So they literally put Planned Parenthood in poor neighborhoods because they don't want the poor to breed because they don't want them to have to take the uh, award of the state basically. Right. All right. So I want to play this clip for you. Now, this is a doctor. This is science say, saying that we just trust children to tell us what gender they are. Okay, let's listen to this. In terms of the concern that, yeah, but when they're young, they don't know. And you should wait. We wait with kids on everything else. We don't like to make decisions about where they're going to go to college, yeah. let alone what uh, their identity is. Response. My response is that um, kids know their genders. Unequivocally, cisgender kids know their genders and transgender kids know their genders, and there shouldn't be really a difference between them. Think about how sure you felt of your gender from some of your earliest childhood memories. It's no different. The confusion comes from external factors in our society that impose cisgender at normativity on young people. What do you say to parents who say, ah, you know, but he, he'll figure it out. She'll figure it out. This is just a phase. What do you say? Um, that young people do know who they are. And we, we say, you know, one thing that I like to say is like, what does it cost you to just affirm who they say they are? So, right, the discussion gets more complicated when it's affirm plus let them take this hormone blocker or stall puberty or and they yeah. want to have a top surgery or a bottom surgery. That becomes more complicated for the parent though, right? Because it has more implications for the kid's health. A lot of it's unknown about what it would mean. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that a lot of it is unknown. Um, you know, we are in a very exciting phase in gender affirming care where we're learning more and more all the time. It also happens to be a time when um, that care is, is uh, sought to be banned in, in various states throughout the country. Right. And people are trying to ban it on the basis that we don't have enough information supposedly and that feels deeply hypocritical. 
why uh, introduce regulations and rules that limit our ability to provide care on the basis that maybe there are unknowns? It just seems like there's something missing there. Phil said, um, do no harm, which means do nothing. Do nothing is doing harm. I want to punch that lady in the face, but I would never. Um, so here's the deal. This, she's a monster. Mm -hmm. She's a monster yeah. masquerading as, as someone advocating for children when you are actually butchering. You're advocating for the butchering of children, not just their bodies, but their minds. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And this is one of those very, very, very dangerous um, repercussions that came out of Alfred Kinsey's uh, fake studies of science. So he... Um, brought on some child molesters who timed the molesting of children. And then did you know that our entire penal code, how we punish criminals, pedophiles specifically? Well, 52, 52 laws relating to everything, not just pedophiles, uh, cohabitation, Rape, yeah. adultery, 52 laws on the penal code I just were meant changed not because like of Alfred Kenzie. Parking laws. Okay. That's yeah. what I meant. Moral Anything, laws. Yeah, thank you. That's moral, moral laws. laws. Moral good. laws. 52 laws. Moral laws were changed as a result of the study showing that, oh, supposedly, that people are just rampantly sex addicts and nobody can stay married and nobody can stay faithful and everybody's having abortions and men are mostly homosexual on a scale of one to seven, 60, uh, uh, six out of seven uh, men all have some sort of homosexual tendencies that it's just, it, it, this is, it, and children are sexual from birth. And why do they say children are sexual from birth? Because supposedly a pedophile, uh, timed these children on the different, um, gratifications that these children had with the manual stimulation of adults. Now from adults, from adults, they advocated for these men, they advocated for adult children relationships. When you have that woman on stage talking about cutting off a boy's penis or mutilating a little girl's um, body parts, then she is beyond the scale of just a sexual pedophile. They are now cutting children's body parts off. And just as Alfred Kinsey had really brainwashed society to take it as it's just science and we're not going to we don't want to talk about these pedophiles we don't want to you know turn them over to the state because it's science you would never do that and right now we see this all in the name of science and so i would say that the devil's main line is trust the science mm -hmm. because he is behind all of this science right i would say it's trust satanic. god and his creation and that's what we want to say to all, all these children. You are created in the image of God. If you guys want a way to talk to kids who are questioning their whatever because they're told to, this is this is definitely this is grooming. Okay, so what child she said two, two things sexual there. grooming, but it's it's violent grooming. She said that children know who they are, and she and 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 she then she said a complete opposite, but it's it's true. If it weren't for this stuff that's being introduced to them they would not be questioning their gender. She's saying that, um, I don't even want to call it cisgender. It's just the normal two genders. God's science, the real science is groomed into children. No, it's called nature. 
-hmm. and without anyone here's the here's the here's the question how is it that society has existed for so long and people are by and large very happy for thousands of years well, without go this to Africa. nonsense. Just go to Africa. Nobody knows what a transgender is. And they aren't. Nobody not just Africa. No. We, our friend Corey Gray lives in Nicaragua. He said this nonsense doesn't exist. There aren't even homosexuals in his town. In his state, in his whole country. Yeah. Well, you know what? I am so glad that we can say this on the Brighton store. Me too. Network. So I love the, the Brighton store. Go to the Brighton store, brightonstore.com, and use promo code CHICKS, and you will be supporting this free movement of speech from our studio to the Brighton studio right into your home so you can listen to truth unhindered. So how do you support that? You go to the brightonstore.com, you use promo code CHICKS, and you get amazing products that will keep yourself and your family healthy. That's what you do. That's how we fight this fight. Christmas yeah. is coming Get up. yourself the colloidal spray. Get yourself some iodine. Get yourself some vitamin B12. Get yourself some vitamin C. Get they yourself Himalayan have a nebulizer on there. I don't know. Check it out. Go and search for anything. Mike says they've got it all. All right. We've got so much more than this coming up right after these messages. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Mike. Okay. So Leah, um, you all can say hi. This is Reggie. He's um, a little antsy. So he's joining the program so that he can sit with me here. I want to show you all his adorable. This is, you can't get this kind of stuff anywhere else. This is, he doesn't want to show his little underbite, but it's just so cute. There he is. There he is. That's, That's a good buddy. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, Lee and I own a pet care business. So there's always a, a plethora of dogs. You just don't normally get to see them on camera. But Reggie's had a big day. And so he's going to just sit right here. It's like, it's take your doggy to work day. It is. is what it is. Okay, so Leah, um, we are seeing these massive um, sentences coming down. In the cases of all these January 6th Yeah, people. I guess three of the Proud Boys were moved at 5 a.m. this morning, and they don't know where they were moved to. You know, that one got 17 years um, for moving a fence. It's absolutely crazy, but we in Fulton County, um, Jim Jordan is requesting that this case to get shut down. Um, you mean the so, Trump case? The Trump case in, in Georgia. And the prosecutor... Has has said, you know, you're interfering, and you're this. You have a you have federal responsibility, this is state responsibility. He said, you're wanting the trial to start four days before Super Tuesday. Come on, you're doing this. Is and he said, this is political. This is election interference. Exactly at the absolute highest level. A hundred percent. So because there's a lot of time between now and then, they could just they could yeah. make an exception. They could act, push it forward. It could happen, you know, next week. So the Fulton County grand jury has gone insane. There, I don't know if you guys saw the clip, but I don't, I'm sorry I don't have it up, of the young girl who is the jury foreman. She looks like she's like 10, and she's laughing, and she's so excited because she wants to invite Donald Trump. And they're all so excited because they feel that they are they are there to stop Donald Trump. It is not, it has nothing to do with justice. They, it, it, But the, clearly there's a demonic stronghold me, But here. let me explain something to you about the grand jury. The prosecutors sit the grand jury. This is not, the defense doesn't get to pick the people on the jury. This is not a jury of your peers when it comes to the grand jury. Okay. The prosecutor picks people, handpicks people who are going to be radically crazy in their favor. How is this, this is even insane? Like, okay. How is this so, legal? That's why they say you can indict a ham sandwich. Right. And then when you go to seat the jury, both sides get to pick the jury. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can throw people out for bias and things like that. So, that poor ham you sandwich. know. Um, I'm sure that they I'm sure that they already have those um, jury duty cards already stacked. Oh, you know, to be do. all Democrats. Yeah. Right. And Fulton County is very good at um, rigging things like they this. They rig everything. Yeah. 
So Fulton County Grand Jury has gone insane. Get this. They voted to indict Lindsey Graham. <laughs> okay. Now, I, it was just very funny to me because I think that they went too far with that one because he's kind of in on it with them. Mm -hmm. So Lindsey Graham, Michael Flynn, David Perdue, and Kelly Loeffler uh, with respect to the national effort to overturn the 2020 presidential election. That is what they have indicted them for. Right. With a national effort to overturn the 2020 election. This is insane. So Purdue and Loeffler and many others uh, would uh, have faced RICO charges. Now, what they wanted to do was actually try them all based on the, um, the, the, the RICO charges that they use for the mafia mm -hmm. when they work together <laughs> oh for gosh. criminal things. So you've got Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, uh, Donald Trump, Jenna Ellis, Mark Meadows, uh, Lynn Wood, Lindsey Graham, Sidney Powell. Michael Flynn, David Perdue, Kelly Loeffler. Um, it's, I think, Boris Epstein. They've got 20, 21, 25 now. 22, 25, okay. With respect to the national effort to overturn the 2020 presidential election focused on the efforts in Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, the District of Columbia, the grand jury recommends a district attorney seek indictments for the following persons. Uh, one of the dissenting jurors voting against recommending seeking indictments of former Senators Purdue and Loeffler on a RICO claim believes that their statements following the November 2020 election, while pandering to their political base, do, do not give rise to their being guilty of a criminal conspiracy. So what they're saying is there was a criminal conspiracy by these people, like the mob, to overturn the election that is criminal. And I want to know what evidence, what, under what, what is there a law on overturning, like what, I, I, I've heard rape, murder, theft of the first degree, like overturning an election. I have not, I don't think that's in the legal code somewhere. I don't think that's right. legalese. That's not legal speech. That is political speech mm. designed for the everyday man because they know they're not going to get this case won in a court in Georgia. And it certainly will not be won at a Supreme Court in Georgia. And it certainly is going to be thrown out. Now, they're saying that some of the charges uh, on, the, on the Florida case with the classified documents, eh, whatever, and... All of this, all of this is designed to just be a distraction for all of us. I mean, I mean, for real, it's designed to be a distraction for all of us. But I want to play for you, Peter Navarro, what in a separate case, was found guilty by a, um, a jury in D.C. And I want you to hear what he had to say today. I have to lay this out for you. I was not tried for contempt of Congress today. That's not what the trial was about. If any of you sat in the trial, you saw the opening argument. You saw the opening argument of John Crabb, the attorney for the prosecution. He didn't argue. He spent. He didn't argue the case on contempt. He said that I was responsible for the J6 in, in, in insurrection, which is totally, totally without fact. Without fact without fact and he did it in his clothes the judge called him on it but it still stood i am not here convicted because of contempt of congress i'm here because of association with j6 that's just wrong that will come along that's later. just wrong you will be and 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 the issue here stepping back again It's not about J6. It's about the constitutional separation of powers between the legislative and the executive branch.
The Department of Justice itself says you can't do what the legislative branch has done to me, yet they were the ones prosecuted. That's just wrong. I'll take a few questions here if you want. Mr. Navarro, have you been in touch with former President Trump and he's, has he offered to help out with your legal fees? President Trump has been a rock in terms of assistance. Uh, we talk when we need to talk. Uh, he will win the president's race in 2024 in November. You know why? Because the people are tired of Joe Biden weaponizing courts like this and the Department of Justice. They are tired of an economy that's going into the friggin' tank. So Peter Varder was found guilty of two counts of contempt of Congress um, by a Washington, D.C. jury on Thursday, having failed to comply with a partisan subpoena issued by the House Democrats as part of their uh, investigation, January 6th protest. He's, he just didn't comply. Each count carries a minimum of 30 days and a maximum of one year in prison, as well as a maximum fine of $100,000. He says, I have been stripped, stripped of virtually every defense by the court, and yet there is some defense left. And the reality here is the government has not proved his case. Uh, please understand that the Biden weaponized Department of Justice is the biggest law firm in the world, and that's what I'm fighting against. Navarro's legal team argued that federal prosecutors could not conclusively show that he willfully refused to comply with the congressional subpoena. In his closing remarks, Stanley Woodward, Navarro's attorney, told jurors the government provided no evidence about this. Do we know that his failure to comply beyond a reasonable doubt was not the result of inadvertence, accident, or mistake? The select committee on the January 6th attack was formed. And we know about this. And it, they, he wanted to get, they, they wanted to get a hold of everybody's text messages in their emails and to humiliate them. Now, remember, in 2012, Congress held Obama uh, Attorney General Eric Holder in contempt for failing to comply with the subpoena, and the media dismissed it as, a politi as political theater, and no prosecution followed at all. Wow. They didn't actually, they didn't, Eric Holder didn't go to jail, and Congress held him in contempt for not testifying. That was the whole point. Peter Navarro didn't testify to their sham trial where they had no Republicans. The only two Republicans that Nancy Pelosi would allow on that committee were Liz Cheney and Adam Kissinger, who absolutely hated Trump and were Democrats. Guys, we don't live in a regular world. This is not a regular world. This is this is the Democrats and the deep state will do everything they can to destroy you mm. and me. Yeah. And they're and they're using Donald Trump as the um, the fall guy. They're trying to they're trying to break our spirits. All right. They're trying to destroy us. And, and we just have to say no and stand up against it. No, 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 we're not. We're not going to let it happen. We're going to fight back with the power of God. Now, speaking of fighting back, Elon Musk has when he bought Twitter, he bought it for what? Forty four, forty four billion dollars. Crazy amount of money. Stupid money uh, that doesn't money that does not exist. OK, um, a billion is a thousand million. Like, no, you didn't know. Forty four thousand million is not <laughs> how much Twitter is worth. Right. OK. Well, the immediately before Elon even did any changes, the Anti-Defamation League, which was set up to um, actually stop the persecution of Jews, went after Twitter mm -hmm. and immediately started to pull uh, hammer advertisers mm -hmm. and tell them not to advertise on Twitter. And that's right. why he had to come up with this $8 a month plan or whatever. And I would have paid it if you gave me my resistance channels back or my whatever. Um, 
with the followers there who probably I don't even have followers probably anymore because they're probably all off all the people that follow exactly. me probably are off too. Yeah. But um with this particular uh move here, the ADL is saying that they're allowing these white supremacists and Nazis on Twitter. Well, Elon says, no, you're defaming me. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to sue you for defamation. Right, right, so let's right. roll this. The ADL, our center for technology and society, works actively with all, all the kind of companies of Silicon Valley, from Apple to Zoom, if you will, from Amazon to Microsoft to Meta, and indeed to Twitter. We've dealt with them for years, helping them tackle the challenges of hate speech on their service. We point things out, we share information, but what we've said again and again and again, and I've had the privilege of speaking directly to Elon a few times, the reason why we are so concerned is because we think Twitter is such a consequential service, and again, allowing people who created the toxicity on the platform that led to real-world violence. Keep in mind that the conspiracy theories that dominated on Twitter for so long exploded in places like Pittsburgh, Poway, El Paso, and of course, ultimately in Washington, D.C. on January the 6th. So what I would say very clearly is that to you, as I've told Elon Musk, as I've told to others, we need these companies to engage constructively, smartly, use their innovation to tackle hate speech. I see that chart you put up. That contradicts what we're seeing at ADL. We've seen anti-Semitic speech stay up there longer than ever before. We've been, you know, indicating when we've seen toxic content, it's not coming down nearly as quickly as in the past. And considering that the human resources have been massively depleted at the company, that would seem to figure and loom large as to why it's happening today. Look, at the end of the day, Katie, ADL, and I think so many of us want Twitter to work for all of its users, for journalists like yourself, for watchdogs like my organization, for the whole country. But tackling hate speech needs to be all of our commitment because freedom of speech isn't the freedom to slander people, Katie. Right? Freedom of expression shouldn't be the freedom to incite violence. That shouldn't be okay no matter who's running the company. I'm an Orthodox Jewish rabbi, and what is happening right now with the ADL and Elon Musk, if you're following it on social media, it's absolutely infuriating me. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, take a minute and listen up. The ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, was founded over 100 years ago by B'nai B'rith, a major Jewish organization. The purpose of the ADL was to fight anti-Semitism. But ever since former senior advisor to Barack Obama, Jonathan Greenblatt, took over the ADL in 2015, he has turned it into an arm of the extreme progressive left, leading the way in the silencing of conservative voices. Greenblatt even brags openly that he works closely with major social media companies to censor and ban influencers who are opposed to the extreme left-wing agenda. Nothing to do with anti-Semitism. Now, according to Elon Musk, ever since he bought Twitter and brought more freedom of speech, the ADL has been pressuring advertisers to boycott the platform. And remember, he's doing all of this in the name of the Jewish people, in the name of Judaism. And now, just a couple days ago, Greenblatt tweeted out that he has been meeting with the new leadership of Twitter 
to pressure them basically to bring back more censorship of conservative voices. As Elon Musk himself put it yesterday, the ADL under Greenblatt now ironically enables more anti-Semitism than it prevents by turning so many people against us. The ADL is not promoting Jewish values. Join me in saying it loud and clear. Stop the ADL. You know, this idea that um, inciting violence and hate speech are not like protected under the First Amendment, first of all, they are actually. And number two, this idea that when conservatives like ourselves speak out on issues that we are inciting people to do something violent about. Well, what is that, it? Why is, what I'm saying is, what are you inciting? Mean? Are you inciting someone? What does inciting to violence mean? And what does hate speech mean? We have to have a definition. And are you inciting someone to violence just because you say, like, uh, Leah, I can tell you that, you know, the neighbors did something that I didn't like. Is that, or that you might not like. Is that going to incite you to then no violent against them and we have to have clear definitions clear definitions incitement of violent is hey everybody go downtown and 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 start burning buildings that is not protected that's not protected speech you're encouraging people to commit a crime but but in their opinion is we say something that is fervently going to make someone upset Mm -hmm. that is inciting inciting violence And there's a lot of people that hate donald trump is that hate speech right what is hate speech any anybody in a protected class so like if you say things against women, right. is that hate speech? Does anybody remember what DC looked like at the inauguration in 2017? Yeah. All right. So um, I don't know if you guys saw the kind of weird looking Nazi guys who were really re- weird Nazis in Florida uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, but the uh, the ADL is very silent on the Nazis in the Ukraine. Literal Nazis who hate Jewish people, who have swastikas, who kind of want to revive the the Third Reich or whatever, and the ADL is silent against uh, on everybody who's a real Nazi left. Like Ukraine has real Nazis, right? And they're silent on that. It's it's very strange world that we live in. Um, another kind of chilling piece of legislation that is being introduced is California's content moderation legislation, as Forbes calls it. It's uh, a draconian censorship bill, AB 587. It requires social media companies to give the California Attorney General's office regular reports on uh, disinformation, um, misinformation, extremism, radicalization, and hate speech. The bill also allows the state to impose fines if companies do not comply with these reporting regulations. And so guess what? Elon Musk is suing California for that. Wow. So I'm hoping that he actually gets somewhere and wins. All right. So I do have this week a Best of Biden video. Awesome. But it's very strange. So we've got Biden. He's commenting on the Maui wildfires. He's commenting on the hurricanes in Florida. He blames them both on climate change. And then he's asked, why haven't you visited East Palestine, Ohio? You said you would. And he said, I've been busy, and now I have to go to India. Mm. So we actually have a clip of him in India. Okay. All right. Let's see this week's Best of Biden. I don't think anybody can deny the impact of the climate crisis anymore. Just look around. Historic floods. I mean, historic floods. More intense droughts. 
extreme heat, significant wildfires have caused significant damage like we've never seen before, not only throughout the Hawaiian Islands and the United States, but in Canada and other parts of the world. We've never seen this much fire. And while we're dealing with this latest extreme weather event, I remain laser focused on recovering and rebuilding efforts in Maui. We were out there and many of you were there as well. It's devastating what happened there. When I took office, I directed my team to raise our game and how we lead and coordinate our responses to natural disasters. And uh, because I've been around a while and I've known how these function. To ensure we met people where they are, when they need our help the most. Because of the devastation of wildfires from California, New Mexico, Oregon, Washington State, Idaho, Louisiana, we've learned a heck of a lot. A lot of damage in the meantime, but we've learned a heck of a lot. And we're putting the lessons we've learned to work. I didn't know anything like that, but I lightning struck my house. We had to be out of that house for about seven months while it was repaired because so much damage was done to the house and half the house almost collapsed. I said in March that you would go to East Palestine, Ohio. You came here. How come you haven't gone to East Palestine yet? Well, I haven't had the occasion to go to East Palestine. There's a lot going on here, and I just haven't been able to break. I was thinking whether I'd go to East Palestine this week, but I then was reminded I've got to go literally around the world. I'm going from uh, from Washington to India to Vietnam, to, and so I, it's going to be a while. But... Uh, we're making sure wild. that East Palestine has what they need materially in order to deal with their problems. Wow. So why did he go to India? Uh, president. I don't know. He's president. He went to India. He's president. Yeah. Oh my! I don't. I literally don't even have words for that. He did not. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's not the going world to traveler. East Palestine. It's either going to be a while since he sees. You know, it happened a while ago. East Palestine. It did, exactly. It's going to be a while. Meaning never, never. I'm hoping I'm out of office by then because I really don't want to well, go there because people he, are he, dying. He, well, and he he knows they don't like him there. Exactly. Uh, but where can you guys be September 21st to 23rd? You can be in Flemingsburg, Kentucky at Bards Fest with us and Scott Kesterson and a whole host of amazing speakers. So go to bardsfm.com forward slash Bards Fest for all the information. We're going to be camping. We're going to bring the power of God. Food, fellowship, revival, and they're going to have lots of kids events. And exactly. uh, we just confirmed Dr. Lee Merritt. We did confirm Dr. Lee Merritt. So we've got a lot and so much more. So keep checking that out on bardsfm.com. We'll Hope to see you there. And if not, we'll be live streaming, I think, even on the Brighton uh, TV live stream network. So super excited about that. All right, you guys, we love you. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory if it's actually the truth. And don't forget to tune into Resistance Chicks all week long on resistancechicks.com. Bye, guys. God bless. Back to headline news with Resistance Chicks. We're your hosts, Leah and What's Michelle. Up? I just said Michelle. Leah and Michelle. Like we were talking to the dogs all day. Come and see Michelle. We got this dog. Um, maybe by the end oh of the show. Oh my gosh, everybody him. just turned us off. Michelle. Right All right, this? it is September 8th, 2023, and we're going to have an amazing day. Yay. Yes, we are. We're going to drop the ante from the Anti uh, Defamation League, just so we're clear. So it's just the Defamation League? <laughs>
Yeah. So you know what I've been finding encouraging all week? Mm-hmm. Going to the grocery store. Encouraging. Yeah. You know why? No. Because I'm being told joke? by everyone knock, knock, that it stare. is mask. Oh, okay. No, I'm. They go ahead. And mask object. who? Mask to see your mask. <laughs> I just made that up. I literally just made that up. Mask to see your mask. It was good. I thought that was good on the fly. It was because you knock knocked and who dared me out of the blue and you don't do that to somebody. You just you just told me you said knock knock. I didn't say knock knock. You told me to. Did I say knock knock? Yes. No, I didn't. You said Matt. Who's on first? Come on. Now. What's on second? Anyway. Going to the store. Yeah. And I'm being told by Joe Biden and several others that it is time to mask up, baby. To cover your face. Yeah. No longer well, shall we see. You know what it is? It's, um, do you remember watching um, Home Improvement when we were younger? I was so confused because he you said You never was... got to see the guy across the, what was his name? Mr. Um, oh, come on. You never could see his face. And it was so infuriating that you could never see the, like his facial expressions. Wasn't Wilson, was it? Yeah, it was Mr. Wilson. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not natural, okay? But I'm going to the grocery store, and I'm yeah. hearing that, that people, you know, we've got some people in our lives that are sick. People are catching some phlegmy stuff and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, move snacks on so tap. So I, I fully expected when we went to the grocery store, we don't go that often, actually. So I'm going to the grocery store, and I only saw one person with the Mr. Wilson. Like, with only one on with the diaper on that's, their face. Oh, and I was so encouraged. Yeah, well, people need to breathe when they start to look at the prices. <laughs> they start to hyperventilate. And then, like, the mask goes, like, they start to choke because they can't breathe. I, can't I heard breathe. I heard for a moment that Joe Biden was saying to mask up. And he was masking because Jill had COVID. And then, like, he's, he like, in India. But then he's, like, in India. Like, they don't have it in India yet. Leah. Okay. These people are cray cray. They yo, are so cray cray. But I'm excited. I feel good about it. I feel good going into this season of illness, which we're not going to call it. We're going to call it season, call of, season health. of health. Season of health over y'all. Season of health. We're going to speak that over everybody. But I feel good that we are, we, um, the insanity has really died down. Mm. And I think that what's going to happen is, well, there's going to be more of us walking around with naked faces and everybody else is going to be like feeling stupid. Like the raw that face. they don't have their face in the That's raw. That's what they say about milk. They milk like drink raw, raw milk. milk. It's just so milk. it's my raw face. Eat a raw apple. Who says that? I'm gonna eat a raw apple today. Right. It's only the things that are supposed to be cooked. Or a raw orange. So your naked face. There's things. No, that, milk is not supposed to be cooked, by the way. And yeah. neither are oranges. And your and your face, face isn't designed is to be my covered up. Face so. in the raw. Face it's in weird. the nude. It's my nude face. We're nudists. We're nude facists. Yeah, I guess so. Um, we are going to go, I don't even know how to transition to, from nude faces to the migrant No, this is really sad story. In, you want to go to that after this? This isn't sad. This is, no, this is sad. Let me be clear. Facebook is always bad for violence. Well, these Democrats and Democrat cities that have been advocating for migrants and advocating for the, for, um, getting rid of the police. So we're going to actually start they with the beginning of the police. They said we will be sanctuary cities for a whole host of things. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a minute. But this one is on the police first. So these are Democrat policies that produce bad results. Number one, the vice chair of the Minnesota Democrat Party who advocated for dismantling the police. She advocated for no police. She gets violently beaten and carjacked, which is awful. 
I mean, they almost killed this lady. And then all of a sudden she changed her tune and says they're going to be held accountable. My question is, held accountable by whom? Arrested by whom? Like, you don't have an arrest without a police officer. What? So this is actually crazy. Her name is Shiva, Shivanthi... Sathanandan. A radical leftist and second vice chairwoman of the Democrat Farmer Labor Party in Minneapolis. Farm, I'm... Really? Do you farm? <laughs> uh, who was left bruised and bloody during the incident is calling for accountability. Despite her past history of being a notable defund the police agitator. So there should be accountability for this, Seth by the way. Dan said in a no. Facebook post that she suffered a broken leg, deep, deep lacerations to her head, and cuts and bruises all over her body when four armed oh juveniles, children under 18, allegedly beat her to the ground in front of her children and then stole her vehicle in broad daylight. Now, to this woman, I would say you really do want the police and they really should be arrested. Okay. I'm on your side in that particular aspect. Mike Cernovich tweeted it out and some screenshots. So if you bring up some of the screenshots, she said this in 2020 when the BLM riots were going cray cray, we are going to dismantle the Minneapolis, the police department, say it with me. Dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. Dismantle the Millennia, Minneapolis Police it. Department. Can't say it with the she claps. actually has these clapping emojis in between. Yep. As allies, what can we do right now? Listen and learn from our ba- black siblings. And then amplify this message right now. In this moment, the MPD has systematically failed the black community. They have failed all of us. It's time to build a new infrastructure that works for all communities. If you are still disagreeing with the ba- this basic fact, I'm not sure what to say to you. I'm proud of the radical leadership and organizing of Jeremiah Bay Ellison and whoever these people are. We need to support them and all the city council members and the elect and electeds who are working alongside them. Today, the Minneapolis City Council has an emergency hearing to approve a court order outlying immediate changes for the MPD. If you live in Minneapolis. So she's like, we are going to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. That is really hard to say, by the way. And when we're done, we're not simply going to glue it back together. We are going to dramatically rethink um, how we approach public safety and emergency response. Well, turns out that she is actually holding them accountable. Is this an actual quote from her? Yes. She says, look at my face. Remember me when you are thinking about supporting letting juveniles and young people out of custody to roam our streets instead of holding them accountable for their actions. You could have been reading the obituary of me and my children today, but instead I'm here to write this. Look at my face. These criminals will not win. We need to take back our city and this will not be the last you hear from me about this. Thank you to the incredible Minneapolis 4th Precinct officers, Mayor Frey, Chief O'Hara, paramedics, neighbors, friends, and the DFL family who all came to our aid during this terrifying experience. I'm so grateful for this community that wraps us in love. Here's the thing. Somebody says, no one should have this happen to them. I agree. Children present or otherwise. Not ever. Nevertheless, how could this woman not see this coming? Considering the efforts of her party, if you fight for a lawless state, lawlessness happens in broad daylight. Wow. This is, it is unacceptable in my opinion. It truly is. What happened to her is unacceptable. I don't like the comment that someone left saying that she got what she deserved. Um, Nobody deserves to be hurt. That's the point. Exactly. Uh, That is absolutely the point. Nobody. And, And in fact, 
what I would say that, like, as far as getting what she deserves, not the abuse, okay, that's never uh, acceptable. But perhaps I could go as far as to say if the police had not been there mm. to help her through that, then that may have been what she deserved. But I can't even go that far because everybody deserves to have justice, mm -hmm. right? And so... What, what what did happen, though, is the rest of Minneapolis. Hopefully this will be a lesson learned. That's the point. Get to see. If there's one the silver lining, there yeah. the, the, nobody gets with, nobody, it's like saying a, a girl who wears bad clothing. Right. Well, actually, it's more than that because you actually wanted to defund the, dismantle the police. Um And so this is a, this is, this is, this is what happens. This is consequences. This is decisions and consequences. Actions and have consequences. Right. This is kind of a good news story, I think, in a little way. little transition there. little transition. So, a woman who... The Lord's Prayer breaks out. This is from Blaze Media. The Lord's Prayer breaks out during school board meeting after official tells woman her offer to publicly pray for students is not permitted. Get out. There's a the video Lord's, footage, yes, footage, a, yeah, it's ready. It's queued up right there. It's queued up. The time's queued up. Uh, a woman addressed the Suffolk school board during a public comment portion uh, in an August 10th meeting. So, and told the board she wanted to use her time at the microphone to pray for Suffolk public schools and all of you. As she asked those in the room to bow their heads and offered apologies to anyone who objects, the board chair interjected, excuse me, we can't do that. Why can't we? The woman asked. I'd like to pray for our students in our school. Riddick replied that prayer wasn't what she had signed up to do and asked her to get back on your topic. That is my topic, sir. Uh, let's just hear it. I would like to ask, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to pray for Suffolk Public Schools with all of you. If you'd like to take a moment, bow your heads, please. Anybody? Anybody object? I, I apologize. We can't do that. Why can't we? Me. I'd like to pray for our students in our school. That's not in what you signed up to do, ma'am. Well, it's in regards to all of this. It's a transparency, accountability. I'm praying that we do do that. Ma'am. No, ma'am. We ask that you get back to on to your topic. No one that is my it. topic, sir. Well, then it's not permitted at this time. To pray for our schools is not permitted. That's correct. Okay. Yes. So now each of you hear this. If anybody would like to pray with me after the meeting outside, I'd invite you because I think that that's the only way that we're going to come together is through God and our faith and, and those who are doing this, working for children for under, uh, any other reason, should I ask that God puts them under conviction. Have a good evening and thank you all. Be blessed. Thank you. Um, I do want to clarify. I don't object to prayer. I believe that we, should, man, should always pray. I mean, I love prayer, but this is not the place per the law. Um, and we're going to ask Attorney Waller if you could speak to it. At this time, we're going to go to recess. Ask the officers to remove Officers, during recess, can you um, clear the room? <laughs> Baby. What's he going to do? The whole room? 
And then it cuts, the screen cuts. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Officers, could you remove them for saying the Lord's Prayer in it? Because we have to have. Now, let me explain something to you. You know what I just read today in my Founder's Bible? What you read in your Founder's Bible, Leah? That the Bible was the main textbook for America's schools for the majority that America was America. <laughs> okay? Literally, the Bible, the main textbook. Okay. Literally, the book they use to educate children. The we had founding fathers. You have a you have a have a Bible. This is a Bible. This is the the like okay. So we've got reading, writing, arithmetic. This was the primary textbook yeah. for children in America. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna see if this is a uh, wall builders has something. I'm just gonna go up and get my Bible course it's not going to come up right now because um, what happens when i read i don't have my facts straight but i do know that several founding fathers by the time they were four between like four and seven could quote several chapters of the bible now i remember reading uh daniel webster his teacher pulled out a pocket knife a really nice shiny one and said whoever can quote the most scriptures when you come back to school gets this pocket knife the teacher had to stop daniel webster because he had quoted uh, like 55 to 56 verses. Okay. He was, he was just going too long. He was, he just, he, 50, how many verses are you going to read the whole Bible? He, like, that's like at least four chapters in the Bible. Okay. And so the teacher says, well, I had on to, the chapter, I had to stop him because he had, he had said he had several more chapters memorized. Right. The Bible was the main textbook in our founding. When, when we got away, even to just nice moral stories. The founding fathers were upset and were saying, wait a minute, we need to get back to using the Bible for our main textbook. So, Leah, separation of church and state. Yeah. When we talk about it, there are still, I know most of you guys know this already, mm -hmm. but I know that we have new viewers who may not. Mm -hmm. Because I get every once in a while, one slips through, who is very much pro-America on our, on our side, on our team, and they go, yeah, but separation of church and state mm. so it kind of is the law first of all the there the separation of church and state is nowhere nowhere in our declaration of independence mm -hmm. in our constitution or in our bill of rights all right here's a couple of things um, wait finish oh, the sorry. finish the story so that they don't know the separation of church and state was written in a letter to the danbury baptist church by was it thomas jefferson Mm -hmm. or Benjamin Franklin Thomas Jefferson. Thomas, Thomas Jefferson to ensure to the Baptist church that the government was not going to be interfering in the affairs of the church but let me go even deeper because this is a lot of people know that but I just want to clarify. No, no, no. I know, but I want to go deeper into the schools because people don't know. Let's people like it. good Christians will think, well, maybe that you you shouldn't have religion in schools. That's made up. Uh, good Christians, I would I would venture to say a large majority. Raise your hand if you believe that the Bible should not be taught in schools. If you believe that it's unconstitutional. If you believe that our founding fathers did not intend intend. Okay, so there was a tract written by Benjamin Rush in 1791, and it was called a defense of the use of the Bible in schools. It was a little pamphlet, and you can actually, I believe you can buy it at Wall Builders uh, for like $3.99. Now, he says this, Dear sir, 
It is now several months since I promised to give you my reasons for preferring the Bible as a school book to all other com compositions. Before I state my arguments, I shall assume the five following positions. Number one, that Christianity is the only true and perfect religion and that in proportion as mankind adopt its principles and obey its precepts, they will be wise and happy. Are you wise and happy? Yo, people are, kids are dumb and stupid and they are not happy. Because why? We've removed Christianity from the basis of our government. That a better knowledge of this religion is to be acquire, acquired by reading the Bible than in any other way. It's great to hear sermons. It's great to sing songs. But you, re, you acquire Christianity by reading the Bible from front to back, beginning Genesis to Revelation. That the Bible contains more knowledge necessary to man in his present state than any other book in the entire world. That the knowledge is most durable and religious instruction most useful when imparted in early life. Now, let me explain something. I do understand that there is a big push right now to get rid of religion. And in that, you're using a colloquial term for religion being stuffy and, and old and having no life in it. But our founding fathers and throughout all of history, religion just meant Christianity. Yeah. It meant goodness. It meant honesty. It, it, it was a good thing. Religion and morality being necessary to good government. Schools and means of education shall forever be encouraged. So I would encourage all of you to stop saying religious is bad or religion is bad. Stop saying that because it confuses people when they start to read these older texts. And I believe it's a demonic impartation yeah. into our world. 100%. And do not say that religion is bad. The Bible is full of the word religion. It says that true religion and undefiled is to take care of the widows and the fatherless. Now, there's no other word for religion. That's it. It means a devotion to God, right? So he says, my arguments in favor of using the Bible as a textbook. So if, if the Bible is the textbook, then prayer should be in every, every school board meeting. The memory is the first faculty which opens in the minds of children. Of how much consequence then must it be to impress in it with the great truth of Christianity before it is preoccupied with less interesting subjects? There is a peculiar aptitude in the minds of children for religious knowledge. I have constantly found them in the first six or seven years of their lives more inquisitive upon religious subjects than upon any others. And an ingenious instructor of youth has informed me that he has found young children more capable of receiving just ideas upon the most difficult tenets of religion than upon the most simple branches of human knowledge. It would be strange if it were otherwise, for God creates all his means to suit his ends. There must, of course, be a fittest fitness between the human mind and the truth which are essential to it in happiness. Let me explain that why children understand Christianity clearer because you must become like a child to enter into the kingdom of God. And it is actually the closer we are to the pureness of being a child that we can understand the love of God and the presets of all that God has for us. So on the, on the flip and darker side of that, to, to prove a point here, guys, you, you must understand that the agendas that are being pushed in schools right now are a religion they because a, they understand yes, that children yes. are very receptive, receptive mm -hmm. of religious principles when they are, when they are children. Mm -hmm. And so the Bible says, train up a child in the way that they will, should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. Mm -hmm. So what have they done? They have instituted religious ideas mm -hmm. under the basis of morality and science. And science. Science is the God. 
Okay, and their their morality is their own code. Absolutely, exactly. So here's a couple more. The influence of early impressions is very great upon subsequent life. And in a world where false prejudices do so much mischief, it would discover great weakness not to oppose them by such as are true. I grant that many men have rejected the impressions derived from the Bible. But how much soever these impressions may have been despised, I believe no man was ever early instructed in the truths of the Bible without having been made wiser or better by the early operation of these impressions upon his mind. Every just principle that is to be found in the writings of Voltaire is borrowed from the Bible and the morality of deists, which has been so much admired and praised where it has existed, has been, I believe in most cases, the effect of habits produced by early instruction in the principles of Christianity. Every, um, everyone was instructed according to Christianity. Not only that, but in our government, you guys may not know this, even we have prayer in our government, by the way. You're supposed to open up your state uh, legislature meetings mm -hmm. uh, with prayer. You're supposed to close with prayer. In the federal government, you open with prayer, you close with prayer. We have had religion and Christianity woven throughout our, our government mm -hmm. since its inception. Since even before its inception, if you don't, and here's the deal, you guys don't know these stories at like the first Continental Congress, they were praying together. They were prophesying it. They were quoting Psalm 35. I mean, God, the God, the creator, almighty Jesus Christ, Christianity, God is the God of America. We are a Christian nation and our founding fathers yeah. never imagined a nation literally even the atheists, of which there were very, very few, even Benjamin Franklin, who's, who they call an atheist, was not, okay, mm -hmm. he was a Christian. Even the, the atheists believed that Christianity should be taught in mm -hmm. our schools and that our nation was founded on Christian principles mm -hmm. for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And it was within our founding documents. And if you go back and you study every single original state constitution it is dripping with scripture and it is wholeheartedly a christian document wholeheartedly yeah all right I, so we could go on and talk about this forever but you yeah, have like a million tasks yeah those are my show. favorite that i would rather just spend my whole life just talking about the christian foundation of america and the bible and america just and go schools. and follow wall builders guys well go, and william federer and william federer and listen to wall builders and william federer and you will, your mind will be blown at just how much our nation and is a Christian I, let nation. me just say that. So should we be, should, is it illegal to pray at a school board meeting? No. No. As a matter of fact, what they did to that woman was unconstitutional. She should sue. Yeah, it's freedom of religion. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can pray anywhere, anytime. You absolutely can. I would. No one can stop you from prayer. If she had been a Muslim and she had said, can we take time? to pray and and pulled out her little prayer mat they would have let her mm. it was because it was a christian prayer yeah i would I, I would agree i would agree all right so joe biden is reportedly considering a new plan okay to to deal with the migrants mm -hmm. and that is to actually create a a, a harder border a keeping the migrants in texas new mexico and arizona you stay there. It's called the remain in Texas policy. Get out. Yeah. So Biden is reportedly considering a plan to require illegal aliens with dubious asylum claims to remain in Texas. 
a move that would see the Lone Star State absorb tens of absorb tens of thousands of illegal aliens every week. They would be deported. How can we? Wouldn't it be hilarious to have all the uh, illegal migrants deported back to Texas? But why not just have the remain in uh, across the border? Why can't we just do that? You mean remain in Mexico? Yeah, we can't because they're asylum seekers, and they have to be able to have their their cases process somewhere but it can't be in new york city certainly can't be in chicago it can't be in the blue cities it can't be in any of the cities where the people have voted to and, and elected people who have, have declared their city to be if a this is going city. to be a federal government policy then every state in the united states has to bear the burden yeah it would uh a move that was either, yeah the lone star state absorb these uh, illegal migrants the Biden administration officials uh spoke anonymously to the la times said the plan is being considered so that if newly arrived border crossers fail in their initial asylum screenings Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE agents, could more easily locate and deport the illegal aliens within Texas since they would be close to the United States-Mexican border. Uh, an added benefit for blue state governors and blue city mayors such as New York City's Eric Adams is that the Biden administration would use the Remain in Texas program to shield sanctuary states and cities from waves of illegal wait, wait, immigration wait, 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 wait. that have spurred chaos in recent months. Hang on. So first of all, it's like this. It's like this. We are a sanctuary city and we welcome all migrants. And mm -hmm. then it's like, hey, Joe, can you make a policy so that they don't come here? We are a sanctuary city. It's not up to us whether they actually make it here. Joe Biden is making it so they have to stay in Texas. But we are a sanctuary city. Yeah, you can play this video of these um, kind of these big balls that um abbott put into uh the river there uh got uh for texas governor greg abbott the program would run counter to his years-long efforts to shield his state from record-breaking illegal immigration under biden his migrant busing program for instance has sent tens of thousands of illegal aliens to sanctuary cities you can just play it when i talk there's no volume um as well as vice president kamala's residence in spring of 2022 most recently, Abbott installed a floating border barrier along the Rio Grande. Biden has sued to have Abbott take it down. A federal judge this week ordered it to be removed, but Abbott appealed and has since been allowed to keep the barrier in place for the time being. Now, I wouldn't want it there just for beauty's sake, just for the sake that you really don't want to see, you know, nature, you know, kind of uglyfied, but... Um, the rest of the border wall that Trump was building, uh, they sold off all the pieces and, and, and I think for pennies on the dollar. Made tons of lost money there. The Remain in Texas program, according to the Times, would keep a select group of border crossers in Texas and track them using GPS monitoring, such as ankle bracelets. The program would, and that's where that, here's the thing. I don't believe they're tracking anybody now. They just want to keep them out of the blue cities and now they'll track them. Okay. Taking it through the federal courts to end its implementation. Uh, the Biden opposes uh, tr Trump's remain in Mexico policy. Taking it through the federal courts to end its implementation. Under so Trump, there was a remain in Mexico policy. Remain, now we're extending it like y'all can come over, but you just got to stay the in remain the southern states. In Mexico policy effectively helped end catch and release at the th southern border by requiring border crossers to stay in Mexico while awaiting immigration hearings because it's a safe country, right? And in the U.S., the overwhelming majority, more than 70% in the program who had their cases adjudicated as of June of 2022, were deported after filing inv invalid asylum claims. 
A fixture of the Biden administration's lax enforcement of the federal immigration law has been to oppose policies that seek to limit the movement of border crossers and illegal aliens opting for an expansive catch and release network that has released millions into American communities in the last two and a half years. So we're, let's um, first let's hear the Senate hearing on asylum law with Senator Ron Johnson. Estimated at least five million border crossers and illegal aliens have been welcomed to the U.S. And these sanctuary cities are complaining about like 70,000 of, of the millions that have crossed. So a large number of, of people are getting away that we know about. We don't know who these people are, but they're just gotaways. They're never encountered. They're just... They get away into the interior. Then we've got, uh, on you know, one estimate's about 0.3 million unknown gotaways. Okay, that's the estimate. So somewhere, somewhere north of 4 million people. I had a number down here, 5.3, but we're adjusting that down based on Title II expulsions and, I guess, people voluntarily going home. Um, somewhere between 4 and 5 million people during this administration have been coming to this country probably don't qualify for asylum, but that's that's a pretty accurate number, right? Um, Four to five million. Senator, let me, let me um, first communicate a premise, which is we are very, very focused on the security of our border. No, no you're I'm not. A, no, you're not. I, I don't want to listen to that. So basically what we're looking at is 22 states have populations less than 4 million people. 28 states have populations less than 5 million people. That is the magnitude of the problem. Wow. You know, um, Ron Johnson is on the forefront of a lot of stuff, and I'm really proud of him. Um, we're going to play this clip here in a second. Um, but the fact of the matter is that the Democrats want these people coming over the border. They want them for their votes. They want them because they believe in slavery and they want cheap labor, okay? They, that's why they want them here. They don't want to have to do the small jobs. They actually want them here. But they don't want them to dirty up their cities. And that's what we're here from. We're, we're about to hear from New York City Mayor Eric Adams. He, again, Sanctuary City, let them all come. We want them to come. And yet somehow, now that they're there, he's going, I don't know what we're going to do. So... Okay, what is Texas supposed to do? Just because it's larger than you are, what are they supposed to do? How come it's okay for them to come as long as it doesn't touch your doorstep, but as soon as it lands in your city, you're overwhelmed and you need help? 110,000 migrants. We have to feed, clothe, house, educate the t children, wash their laundry sheets, give them everything they need health care and this team here we stated let's do everything possible before we have to push it out into neighborhoods and communities month after month i stood up and i said this is going to come to a neighborhood near you well we're here we're here we're getting no support on this national crisis and we're receiving no support and let me tell you something new yorkers Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. 
destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. One time we were just getting Venezuela, now we're getting Ecuador, now we're getting Russian speaking coming through Mexico, now we're getting uh, Western Africa, now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into New York City. And everyone is saying it's New York City's problem. Every community in this city is going to be impacted. We got a $12 billion deficit that we're going to have to cut. Every service in this city is going to be impacted. All of us. And so I say to you, as I turn it over to you, this is some, some of the most educated, some of the most knowledgeable, probably more of my commissioners and deputy commissioners and chiefs live in this community. So as you ask me a question about migrants, tell me what role you played. How many of you organized to stop what they're doing to us? How many of you were part of the movement to say, we're seeing what this mayor is trying to do and they're destroying New York City? It's gonna come to your neighborhoods. All of us are going to be impacted by this. I said it last year when we had 15,000. And I'm telling you now, with 110,000, the city we knew, we're about to lose. And we're all in this together. All of us. Staten Island is saying, send them out to Manhattan. Manhattan is saying, Queens. Queens is saying, send them out to Brooklyn. No. That's not the game we could play. Open the floor up. So, okay. You know, I think this is great. I think that Eric there is doing an excellent job of prepping voters for 2024. Yes. I think that he is doing an incredible job of speaking what we've all been trying to say for years mm -hmm. about the border. And yeah. um, Eric, watch out because you're starting to sound like a conservative. Okay. Well, yeah, and he had to come back, actually, and apologize and say, I really don't mean that this is Biden's fault. I mean, it's Trump's fault. Trump so is, this is 2023, and he wants to blame Trump now. How are we blaming Trump when Trump was trying to stop the migrants from coming? You just got to, you got to find a way. Always blame um, Trump. I want to address this comment here from Liz. Liz, I'm glad that you're here. Um, Liz says, Lady in White, I'm assuming you mean me, my Bards FM shirt. You guys coming to Bards Fest, September 21st through the 23rd? Uh, you don't care. Let me say this to you, Liz. Do you care what NAFTA did to South America? Not NAFTA, is it, um, is it NAFTA? Not Maybe. NAFTA, the other one. NAFTA is the um, North American. Yeah, it's the North American Trade yeah, yeah, yeah. Association. So what happened was, regardless of whether I know the acronym or not, South America was beautiful, lush, with um, amazing corn production farms. And particularly in Mexico. It, especially in Mexico. Okay, so we're really talking about Mexico. We're, so, we're talking about what, what the, what the you, do you want me to help you? No, I don't need help. Okay. What I'm, I'm getting to a point here. When we had our roof put on, we did not know that the company was going to use migrants. I would not have really cared. 
I guess, per Illegal se. migrants. I just didn't know. Um, and so we're getting our roof put on, and here they show up. They did an absolutely phenomenal job. And we got to talking to them. Now, Leah and I... Only one are, of them spoke English. We're, we're real-life sisters. Like, we're blood sisters. Like, we have the same mama. Um, and we own a homestead together. And we raise pigs and chickens, and we farm, and we grow our, our own food. So we were told by one of the migrants there that was putting our roof on that he would like to buy some of our chickens. He actually wanted to buy a rooster. And he said that he had all that we have back in Mexico. And he loved it. And it was a great life. He's here because with the uh, with NAFTA, they came in and they undercut all of the... How many varieties were there? Something 20 200 varieties. Corn was life in Mexico. Corn was life. It was the lifeblood of the country. And what happened was is uh, our government encouraged farmers to grow their GMO corn and would sell it for cheaper than what the uh, Mexican farmers could, could, grow could, could grow it for. And they undercut the market. And so, of course, people are going to buy. Just 50 cents will get people to switch how they buy things. And so the, the pig farmer shuts down and the people that he employs shut down. And, of course, the farmers shut down. And so there's a huge flood of migrants because of how we what we call open trade and how we destroy these people's uh, uh, livelihoods. They've, they're doing it in Africa as well, okay? The European Union is doing it in Africa, flooding it with cheaper food, okay, than what the native people can grow it and for. And then you have a rise in the gangs. So let's explain something. These men, especially these uh, Mexican men, don't want to leave their homes. They don't want to leave their families. They are sad to leave their families. They would rather stay, and they love their life they they are they loved being if you there talk to these migrants they would rather be okay again go and watch sunday's show okay that we did on el salvador because yes president bukele has yes kicked out the gangs, made salvador great making again el salvador great safe. again and safe again and these he didn't kick out the gangs he arrested all the gang members love their up el salvador. they yes. love their family when i talk to these migrant men here doing these how racist jobs, is it for us to think that mexico is just going to be horrible for and, and all mexicans should need to live in the united states make mexico great again exactly. the cartels run the nation it is a beautiful why do why do americans Go to Mexico to vacation. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful country. It's far they, more it's beautiful lush. than it is here. They, it's got a great climate. They can grow a, a ton of own, their own food. All year long. They just have corrupt government and they're run by the cartels. And the American part, cartel. So what do I care about? I care about making South America great again. I care about getting the gangs kicked out of these countries. I care about us undercutting the farm industry there in South America because of big crony capitalists mm -hmm. here in the United States Lefties working should... with the government yeah, okay, to destroy entire countries. Exactly. That's what I care about. That's big deal. That's real deal right there. Um, so a con the controversy here in Chicago is surrounding on where to house Chicago migrants as winter approaches. Uh, if you want to play this video here, if it will play, Mayor Brandon Johnson there in Chicago addressed crime and the economy to a full room of Chicago civic leaders and CEOs on Thursday night. But he did not speak on the city's migrant crisis. This as a new controversy brews over where to house growing migrant, the growing migrant population. While it was not discussed during his keynote address during the Q&A, uh, a portion. Johnson confirmed that to the Chicago Sun-Times earlier Thursday that he I plans know people to pay attention. create winterized camps. 
Headed in the right direction, yes. Do we have a long way to go? Yes. Mayor Brandon Johnson addressing crime and the economy in a room filled with civic leaders and CEOs tonight, but he didn't talk about the migrant crisis. This is new controversy is brewing over where to house that growing population. Thank you for joining us. I'm Scott Schneider. And I'm Don Hasbrook. Casey Cronus is live at the Hilton where that event just wrapped. Casey. Don and Scott, as you mentioned it, Mayor Johnson didn't make any mention of the city's growing migrant crisis here at the Economic Club of Chicago Speaker Series. But he did earlier today confirm to the Chicago Sun-Times that he plans to winterize base camps for migrants as the temperatures drop. As he plans for that, the city continues to look for spaces to move migrants into with their latest site set on an office building in Fulton Market. The building on the table is located at 344 North Ogden. According to CoStar records, it is about 56% leased. One of its current tenants is the Chicago Card Club, a retailer of card game related merchandise. That leaves about 46,000 square feet of available space, but it is currently zoned as a planned manufacturing district, meaning that current zoning laws prohibit residential development. The city of Chicago has yet to release any of its migrant plans on the space, and Mayor Johnson again didn't address it tonight. Instead, keeping his conversation focused on his plan for a better and safer Chicago. We need to make sure that we have more detectives. We have to have constitutional policing. But we also have to pass treatment, not trauma. Mental health providers showing up when people are experiencing mental health crises. When people have access to food and good paying jobs, we'll know we're successful when people are not living in tents in Chicago. Meanwhile, Roger Romanelli, the executive director of the Fulton Market Association, says he feels Fulton Market residents and business owners should have input in the proposal to move migrants into that office building there, adding there is some frustration yes. among residents when it comes to why funding hasn't been used to stop our crime crisis. Right now in the Fulton Market community, we're sitting on $300 million in our neighborhood tax increment finance money, and the alderman is saying that we can't touch it to put up security cameras. City Hall's got no. to open up the process, no. show us the money, explain to. who's going to pay for That's it, racist. and explain why we can't use our neighborhood dollars for our current need neighborhood needs to make everybody safe. That's it's a little frustrating, I would say. And tonight we heard from the president of the Chicago Card Club who occupies part of that Fulton Market office building. He tells us that as long as he is there, there will not be a migrant population living there. And if the landlord attempts to do that, he plans on suing. Reporting uh, live downtown. Interesting. So right now, the airport is one of 18 migrant shelters in Chicago. Uh, that homeless Americans uh, are no longer allowed to stay in the airport, actually. Uh, the city previously struggled with an influx of homeless people at the airport, but initiated a crackdown earlier this year. But I guess if you're a migrant, you got to... It's really strange. Mayor Johnson's campaign as the people's mayor. Sadly, the people are telling me that he's the migrant's mayor. You want to play this uh, next clip here? I don't know if I can stand another one. It's on the same, a different page? It's next door. Okay. There we go. Oh, Chicago's O'Hare Airport. 
used as a migrant shelter as crisis overwhelmed city like a scene from Mad Max. Yeah. I need that. Do people play these video games? I have no idea. Yes, they do actually. Oh jeez. Oh my gosh. Just go back. Hit I'm the back button. I'm hitting the back button. There we go. We're gonna have to watch another ad, I bet. Well, the border battle continues. A federal judge has given Texas one week to take down that floating barrier that you see right there in the middle of the Rio Grande. But the Lone Star State isn't alone in the crisis. In the city of Chicago, as you can see, that black curtain screen right is how the fourth busiest airport in America is sheltering over 400 migrants. They're on the other side of that curtain. That's up from the 31 that were there in the beginning of August. Here to share with what he's been seeing on the ground is our buddy, Chicago reporter, William Kelly. William, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, so what's the deal? They get 433 migrants at an airport. Uh, an airport doesn't have really good bathrooms. I, I don't know about showers. What are they going to eat? This seems like a dumb idea. Well, they're already complaining about the food. Uh, Steve, it, it, it's, a, it's only uh, the O'Hare Airport is only one of 18 migrant shelters in the city of Chicago. And the last time I was at O'Hare doing a story, it was on homeless Americans right. living at O'Hare. Well, the city of Chicago has kicked the homeless Americans out of O'Hare to make room for the migrants. It, uh, you know, Mayor Johnson campaigned as the people's mayor. Uh, sadly, the people are telling me that he's the migrants mayor. And it certainly looks like that. So, William, are, are the migrants on the other side of the TSA checkpoint? Do they have to go through security to get to this location they're at? I don't think security applies to them. Uh, I don't think any any of the uh, requirements that uh, Americans are expected to uh, background checks or uh, or or you know in all in all seriousness, the city of Chicago has not recovered from the lockdowns and the looting of Lightfoot. Now we are in the throes of the violent crime and the migrant crisis of Mayor Johnson. This is, uh, you know, there are millions upon millions of dollars being spent on this migrant crisis. N nobody knows where the money is going, uh, what it's being spent on. You know, there was a time where millions upon millions of dollars would, at bare minimum, need to be voted sure. upon and, and, uh, and somehow accounted for. But, um, you know, sadly, Mayor Johnson must have taken Mayor Lightfoot's yeah. Uh, course at uh, at Harvard on media relations because he won't answer my questions. Yeah, well, uh, famously would not answer your questions. So th the big question is with all those migrants there, uh, yes. you know, and given the fact that today here in New York, uh, school is starting and y you got to wonder uh, those 433. What are you going to do with them? What are you going to do with them? I've got. Um... Let's keep in mind, guys especially when you're on the conservative side, these are real people. Yeah. This isn't just a matter that we're upset that like this, migrants aren't just a number. They're not just a mass of, they are human beings mm -hmm. with real families and the issues 
for why they are coming over here, why they are ending up in these situations are what we're talking about needs. This is what needs to be addressed. Yeah. And again, President Bukele in El Salvador is actually solving the problem so that El Salvadorians, or I guess they call themselves Salvadorians, don't want to leave. Right. So here's what um, Chicago natives are saying. All these resources that have not come to us, now you want to overly compensate for people who never lived here before, and they really need to be taken care of first and foremost before anything else happens here. Why would any leader put our black communities already riddled with crime at further risk by placing unvetted non-taxpayers steps away from our, our seniors? our children and our homes we've worked so hard on our own to secure we are at war people our communities are at war they are violating our communities and we asking that we have we across the country we asking and we're demanding for office of black america or whatever you want to call it to deal with issues like this uh, I did get placed on a wait list, but I was told that the immigrants were taking priority. See, that's a story that a lot of people don't know, and it just, it hurt me. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I understand we need to be humanitarian, but these people are, that my participants are third and fourth generation Chicagoans, born, bred, fed, and raised here. My grandmother, Mayrella Carrington, rest in peace, always said, Craig, Charity starts the home first, Always. and then it go abroad. Politically, having over 500 people in our community would completely wipe out any interest we have. Many of these migrants have been dumped in our neighborhoods without a plan in place to monitor and house them long term. I'm not selling nothing, and I keep telling people, you don't have to move if you sell they gonna come in. If we don't sell, we gotta stand strong and go. That's right. We just get started. We don't sell. This is, it's, it's, this is, this is a, um, now, an interesting Let me dichotomy. tell you, you know, if the resistance chick stands on this, and y'all know where I'm going with this, or maybe you have no idea. Guys, God did not intend us to live in cities. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Democrat Party is very happy to have the African-American community hold up in cities where all of this is going on, mm -hmm. where God intended for every man, regardless of race, creed, color, mm -hmm. background, whatever, to have land. Yes. Everyone is called to be on land mm -hmm. and to not be, you know, when Cain killed Abel, what did he do? He Led went to, to cities. cities. Right? God placed man in a garden. God could have placed man in anything. God could have made man anything. The very best of what God had to offer the, the first two people that he created. What did he do? He placed them in, in his creation, in his garden to tend that garden. Yeah. That's the best of what life is. And so outside of that, everyone is suffering. And that's why I know that these people from South America don't want to be here. Yeah. They had farms at home mm -hmm. and they love their lives. I have talked to these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We do have um, a clip here from the governor of New Jersey who is saying 
he says, despite running on making New Jersey a sanctuary state for illegals in the name of inclusiveness, the nation's moral compass and the goodness of America, Democrat Governor Phil Murphy has changed his tune. Now he wants nothing to do with the Biden regime's plan to move 60,000 illegals from New York City to the Atlantic City Airport. This directly from the feds. We've not heard it from the White House. Uh, but not only what I call on the White House and Congress to do it, I just said that three-legged stool, let's finally fix this once and for all. I don't see any scenario, Eric, where we're going to be able to take in um, a, a program in, in Atlantic City or, frankly, elsewhere in the state. We yeah. are already seeing folks in New Jersey that have probably swelled into Jersey from New York City or from other locations. But you need scale, enormous amount of federal support, resources that go beyond anything that we can afford, putting everything else aside i just don't see it um and i i would suspect that that'll continue to be the case this, this reminds me of oprah winfrey in maui mm -hmm. there are there's an island full of people who have no place to go exactly. their houses have burned down and you know how much land oprah has it's like 700 acres i mean that could that's bigger she's, than lahaina she's donated money right fema put uh the fema workers up in 1500 dollars a night hotels and uh, they're asking, so she and The Rock put in money that they will directly go to people and they want you to donate as well. But love thy neighbor is allow them to she stay in your house. She should have opened up her land. Come on, people. Her house, like, her home. You get How a... many bedrooms does her home have? Exactly. Okay, we're not even talking about illegal migrants. We're talking about people, your neighbors, who were, kill, who, who were killed in my house and had their houses Stay destroyed. Here. Yeah. And you're on an island of all places. It's not right. like you could just go to another state or to another city. Okay. This is an island. And Oprah Winfrey is sitting up there in her like 20 bedroom mansion. Like, I'll give you money, but please don't. I am not going to invite you to my house. Like, do not. Like, but don't she even could think literally about it. afford to go on Amazon. Get a whole boatload of tents mm -hmm. and just bring people onto her land. Get a whole boatload of porta potties. Yeah, you know how they wouldn't release the water. I um, I do believe that I heard that she had um, her insurance company sprayed water around her oh, property. Oh yeah, no, that's not a that's not you just heard that happened. She but they had allowed water sprinklers to protect. She hired a company to come and uh, spray her property so that it would not catch fire. This is insane. Like, these people don't care about you, right? And that so was actually before the fires. But here's, here's the thing. So this mayor is saying, or this, um, this governor is saying, we don't have the room. We don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the money. Who's the one that doesn't care? Everybody's saying, stay in Texas. Okay, well, how is it that you think that Texas has the money? That Texas has the room? That Texas has Why the space? Is it that, that Texas hang has... Hang on, hang on, why is it that Texas or any of these southern states, these border states, have to bear the burden for federal policies for the entire country? They Could don't, be. as a matter of fact. And so when we look at um, the governor of Texas putting up those floating, you know, border things. Yeah. And Biden's trying to sue to get them. I'm like, it's not your state, Biden. And by the way. Our nation is made up of states that represent little countries, and we are the United States. Yes. So you, as Biden, you don't get to tell another state what they can and cannot do with their state. Yeah, no kidding. Um, if you play the next one, though, uh, just just so we're clear, this is not about Joe Biden. In a book that was recently released, uh, like an autobiography, um, Joe Biden is quoted as saying that they treat me like a toddler. 
Uh, and Peter Ducey asks um, Jean-Pierre um, about why the president's treated like a baby. I've seen this. It's really good. Thank you, Corrine. President Biden is the oldest president in U.S. history. Why does White House staff treat him like a baby? No one treats the president of the United States, the commander-in-chief, uh, like a baby. So there's this book that says That's ridiculous. when staff ridiculous claim. what sounded like a call for regime change in Russia, the president, uh, quote, rather than owning his failure, he fumed to friends about how he was treated like a toddler. Was John Kennedy ever babied like that? So look, uh, I'll say this. Um, there's going to be a range, always, a range of books uh, that are uh, about every administration, as you know, uh, that's going to have a variety of claims. That is not unusual. That happens all the time. And we're not going to litigate those here. That's something that we're not going to uh, speak to. There is one thing that I do want to, because I think I was asked this question last week by one of your colleagues about this particular excerpt uh, that they uh, were referring to. And so I'll say this, you know, we did see the excerpt, excerpt go, the context uh, of the excerpt, and it seemed to be making the opposite overall point about how the value of his experience and wisdom resulted in rallying the free world against authoritarianism, which is important. We have seen this. You all have seen this. And passage of the most historic agenda in recent history in his handling of foreign policy, like rallying the world around Ukraine, as you just heard from our national security, national security advisor, who laid out in really good questions that your colleagues asked about how the mm -hmm. everybody knows that Joe Biden is treated like a toddler, Kareem. Everyone, mm -hmm. the whole world knows that he is handled like a toddler. His wife comes and drags him off while holding his hand when he is asked tough questions and starts embarrassing himself. He is treated like a toddler. He is absolutely treated like a toddler. All right. Um, you know, this is an interesting um story here with Robert Kennedy Jr. who can't seem to break it break through with the Democrat Party and I just wonder why you know the gatekeepers here will will Biden be the nominee I don't know but they're certainly going to make sure that uh, uh Robert Kennedy Jr. is not what just happened click I think on, you click on an ad there we yeah. go the Robert Kennedy Jr. is not the nominee Let's see if I hi can. everybody I'm Diane you want to cue me up on a on a yeah I thought I did um I guess I can just read it. I thought it was going to be here. It is, and just retweet it. Well, or I can just click on what you just clicked on, right? Yeah, right, right, right there. All right, let's do it. So uh, they've made rules that if any candidate put in the state of Iowa or in the New Hampshire, then none of the votes that are cast for that candidate will be tallied. They're can't be nominated. Does not want a primary. Um, they, um, uh, you know, I don't want to say that. They want a coronation, but that's, <laughs> I think that that's a fair way to put it, actually. Um, they're doing, uh, they're, they're essentially, they're fixing the, the process so that it, it makes it almost impossible to have democracy function. It, um, they, they're effectively disenfranchising the Democratic voters from um, from having any choice in, in who becomes president, who becomes the Democratic nominee. Uh, so two of the things they've done to date mm -hmm. is they've moved the, um, the Iowa primary, they've made rules that if anybody campaigns in Iowa or sets foot, any candidate sets foot in the state of Iowa or sets foot in the state of New Hampshire, that none of the votes that are cast for that candidate will be uh, will be tallied. 
In other words, any delegate that I win in New Hampshire or Iowa would go instead uh, to the president. And, uh, and now they're trying to change it so that if I campaign in New Hampshire, that none of the votes cast for me in Georgia will count. And that's significant because it's hard to win the nomination without Georgia. What is, so what is the logic? It, well, they're rigging it so that it, you know, effectively, you know, we're looking at uh, the tabulations now that look like I, if you add up all the superdelegates that they control and all of the automatic delegates that just go to the party and go to the president, uh, you know, I would have to win almost 80% uh, of all of the states in order to beat President Biden, even if he only wins 20%. And yet, and yet you you continue on. So what is your strategy then in light well, of this for defeating do, President yeah, Biden? Do, uh, you know, these rules will not be finalized until sub September 14th. And we've written uh, the DNC protesting. I mean, there's some really wild things that they're now considering, including forcing me actually pay for the primaries and their logic is that um, they don't need a primary because they already have a candidate and therefore I'm costing them all this money and that money should should uh, be paid for by me and you know maybe Marianne Williamson um, so it's not you know it's a process that is rigged and uh, it's a, you know, we live at a time in American history when a lot of Americans think that democracy is broken, that the system, the political system is rigged, uh, is rigged, and that there's not really any democracy. And unfortunately, the DNC is taking a lot of steps that uh, that confirm. Okay, you can you can stop uh, that. Yes. All right. I'll, Robert Kennedy Jr. We know the RNC is 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 really corrupt. It's really, really corrupt, and the DNC is beyond repair. I, it's it's amazing to me. He has to kind of stay in their good graces, mm -hmm. right? But, you know, it's like running as a Democrat. I know what he's trying to do there, and I kind of uh, kind of legitimately appreciate it. But uh, I want you to bring that one up just so that people see, can see the map. Biden regime is forcing illegal immigrants to uh, stay in Texas. I just want you guys to see this little map for Biden's border wall. So we've redefined the shape of America, yeah, essentially. Basically. So um, there's kind of like a, a bite out of it, like a like if the United States was a hamburger, someone mm -hmm. has taken a bite out of it now. It's just that's the new border. Mm -hmm. You can't cross that border. Don't you do dare. not cross that border. Exactly. Asylum. They say asylum. None of these people qualify. None. They just use the system. And it's so backlogged that we're not asylum officers. So they get a court date from five years from now. Guess what? They're already here. And that's where you catch them inside instead of making them wait in Mexico, which is the best thing that we did. The most effective thing. Now it's just a You know what? They were doing that when we were under the Trump. And we did it toward the end. And a lot of these we were catching, I want to say, in the 40 to 50%. They were not families, okay? But listen, this is also has to do with the countries. 
the consulates sometimes will tell them what to say when they they will obviously tell them what to say it's 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 a it's a sad situation all around but this is a this is a democrat problem and it's not a world it's just, it's not something where we need to be like hey everybody in south america come to america that's just silly what what's their plans okay we're going to flip flop so that we go south america is a great we get like half of our vegetables and fruit and everything from you know look at the country of origin our you get all your stuff from if you chile if you guys aren't tuned into the revelation red pill wednesdays that we do or the kingdom roundtables that we restream on our show you need to um, but Corey Gray, our, our friend and minister down in Nicaragua, the more he talks about Nicaragua, the more I'm like, I want to live there, right? Because of just the way that things are. I'm not speaking for every South American nation, but what I am saying is that it is beautiful. It is lush. It's racist to say that anybody who's running a South American country is just going to be bad. Right. No, we need to encourage. These are amazing countries that we should be encouraging and not robbing blind. Well, and in, well, like here's the thing: our country encouraged Brazil to elect a socialist. Um, we are destroying these South American countries. Let's look at President. Venezuela. We had a huge hand in that. Huge. Exactly. So we're bringing in all. So these the question is: Is it? Being we're back on Facebook. Hang on a second. I'm getting my codes for Rumble here. So our whole system crashed. Leah, tell them that the system crashed. Oh, hey, guys. The system crashed. You're, we're back. Where we're, are we back at? We're almost back. Hang on. I, I'm hoping we're back on Facebook. It looks like we are back on Facebook. Hey, what's up, Facebook? All right. So the I'm gonna, whole computer The crashed. whole computer crashed. So we're back. I got a couple more stories, actually, that we're going to do on Facebook. And then we're actually going to say goodbye to Facebook to, to really dive into the ADL story with Elon Musk because we don't want to be accused of defamation or hate or whatever you have you. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this week you had a, a victory for Kerry Lake. So the Arizona, Arizona court rules Secretary of State has been using illegal signature verification methods for the past two elections. Ballot signatures weren't being matched with voter registrations in violation of state law. Did you know that? So Arizona must fix before the next election, next election or the court will force them. Um, I truly believe that, um, that that's what helped swing the elections in Arizona in the first place. Before we go to the ADL, this is a really great and important story here that I posted on our Facebook. Representative Thomas Massey is the only off-grid congressman in Congress. He lives in Kentucky. He has um, a farm and he raises cattle and he takes the cattle to slaughter. And he's one of us. He's a normal person. I love him. We've got an opportunity to um, meet him. And he has... He is one of my 264 followers on Twitter because he has he finds me. I love this man. He has found me. He found us on Resistance Chicks twice, and he has a good memory, so he remembers us. So he's our friend. He is our friend. I think we can call him our friend, and I love our friend. And so we are supporting him in the Prime Act. Now, what is the Prime Act? And it's supported by Angus King. I love that in the <laughs> Senate. The Prime Act would allow you to buy cuts of meat from a local processor from a local farmer. Right now, all of the beef that and the, and the pork that you buy, if you wanna buy it from a local farmer, it has to be processed in a USDA facility that requires a lot of extra driving, 
uh, more costs and really a lot of stress on the animal because Thomas Massey has a local processor just two or three miles down the road. He could walk his cows there. Mm -hmm. But instead, if he if if he wants to sell his beef by the cut, like a good round steak or T-bone steak or some hamburger to an individual, he has to take it miles, like a two-hour drive to a USDA facility. Now, it's the same meat. And get this. He could sell a half of the cow or a quarter of the cow to somebody and have it processed at the local butcher right down the street. But only if the person agrees to buy the cow beforehand, which you really only pay afterwards, um, buy the cow beforehand and you have to, it's interesting because they don't, they don't want these local processors doing too many cuts of meat because it, what it does is it, it puts a strangle on the big meat industry. So Thomas Massey wants to allow these local processors to be able to take their cows in, have the local processors cut the beef into, into you know, all the different cuts, have you take it home, put it in your freezer, and you sell the cuts right and out of your freezer. And here is the rub of all of it. If you want to do bison, no problem. You want to do deer, no problem. Water buffalo. Water buffalo, no problem. It's only beef because of the lobbyists in Washington and or pork. in their in individual states and pork who want to have the monopoly. And in his state, home state of Kentucky, it's chicken too. So it's not about safety. Yeah, let's hear Thomas Massey on this. Local farmers might be able to bring home the bacon. The Prime Act bill is up for discussion in Congress, which would allow small farmers and ranches to sell their meat locally. It would also allow for more transparency into how your food is processed. Kentucky Congressman Thomas Massey is one of the cattle raising lawmakers who reintroduced the act and he joins us now. Thank you, Congressman, for joining us. This bill, this act, I should say, the Prime Act is being touted as the greatest opportunity in food freedom in decades. So it says that you don't need a federal bureaucrat on the premises of a slaughterhouse in order for your food to be safe. Um, what say you? Well, there's two trends right now in America, and they're at odds with each other. You've got moms who want to know where the food's coming from, mm -hmm. that they're feeding their children. And they long for the wholesome, nutrient-dense food that our grandparents used to eat. Meanwhile, you've got four companies, uh, they're multinational companies, that control meat processing in the United States. 85% of the meat processed is done by one of these companies. One's owned by China, one's owned by Brazil. My Prime Act is catching on in the House and the Senate. It says if you're not crossing state lines, if you're engaged in local commerce, then a farmer should be able to use a local processor and sell to a local consumer. It's that simple. So I'm, I'm asking people, while you're firing up those grills on this Labor Day weekend, think about where that came from and think about the farmer down the road and why couldn't you buy it from him and use some local processor? Well, Congressman, I do buy my meat from the farmer down the road. And I'll tell you, I trust him. I know he wants my business. If he chooses a yeah. custom slaughterhouse, um, it's in his interest to make sure that that place is safe. And I, I believe there hasn't been a foodborne illness in meat since like 2012. There's a, a meat sort of a lot of people trying to eat more meat in their diet, be more animal based. At the same time, the government's telling them not to eat meat. Uh, tell us about that debate going on. 
whether they want you to eat bugs or to eat some kind of fake meat. But look, we don't want food that's made in a factory. We want food that comes from a farm, right? And that's what the Prime Act allows because that's what our bodies are geared for. We've got so many autoimmune issues these days, uh, diseases that I don't think our grandparents have. And you are what you eat. So we need to get back to eating healthy. Eating local is the best way to do that. And yeah. local processors are equipped to do this. During COVID, the meat industrial complex let us down, uh, but the small processors won't let us down. And um, that's what the Prime Act does. By the way, call your representative and call your two senators. This bill's in the Senate, too. And the lead sponsor's name is Senator Angus King in the Senate. <laughs> that's right. And you're also sponsoring this in the House with another cattle farmer. Yeah. Democrats, this is a bipartisan issue. I love when we have farmers in Congress. This would never have been introduced by an urban representative. Um, that's beautiful, too. I, I, by the way, I passed the pig that's going to be slaughtered for me in about a week every day I drive home. Right. Um, and I, I, I just love knowing where my meat comes from I think more, as you're, you're right more moms want that you mentioned the supply chain I think that was an important point as well because um, you're right the, the supply chain for meat fell apart during COVID but there's also humane reasons for this right I mean it's better treatment yeah. for animals yeah, it's less stress on the animals. You don't have to ship a, a cow from Kentucky to Nebraska. You know, think of it's, it takes a truck ride, a train ride, and then it may take a bus ride back. I mean, it's greener to buy local. Um, you're not using as much fuel to transport this animal. It's a lot more humane. And you can know the person who raised the animal. Right now, people can buy meat from a local farmer, but they have to buy the whole animal or half of the animal. It's like $1,000 to, you know, know, to buy meat. The Prime Act lets you buy it by the cut. So ask your, ask your representative to sponsor the Prime Act. Well, I think you're on a sleeper issue here. I think that food, food freedom, food, food safety, freedom from all this processed food that we're eating, um, yeah. and the control of these big companies that you mentioned um, are, are going to be the sleeper issue of the, of the next presidential election. I think you're on the forefront of that. I really appreciate I love this so much, and you guys know, at least most of you know, that this is a passion of ours. Passion! Um, that we feel very strongly about this, and it goes back to me, for me, my body, my choice. Yeah. When the government tries to get in, in the way of my plate and my fork and my mouth, yeah. I have a problem. Yeah. Okay, and the same thing goes for covering the my face. The same thing goes for what I put into my body. So, uh, for some reason, on the left, there's this cognitive dissonance that yes. says, "I want to be able to." You can't tell me whether I can kill a baby in yes. my womb, but definitely tell me what I can and cannot eat. Yeah. Definitely tell me where I can and cannot get my food from. Yeah. We're talking about wholesome, nutritious food yeah. that is done the best way that God intended for mm -hmm. us to get it from local farmers. Did you know that there are two, there's, there's combating issues going on. They want to be able to feed us lab-grown meat. They want to be able, and as a matter of fact, they can feed us meat that is that shipped to China processed meat that is processed in China, then shipped back to the United States for our purchase and consumption. But when I want to buy cuts of meat from the farmer down the road, I can't unless I buy the whole or half of it. What's hilarious is that the processors in China do not have the same USDA people. Regular, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's all about money control. And the biggest thing is they are literally trying to kill us.
Oh, absolutely. They really they they really do want to harm us body, mind, soul and and spirit, right? They really are coming after. So you. I'm so proud of Thomas Massey. I love him. He talked to us. We have interviewed him about the Prime Act. It's this yeah. is not the first time that it's been brought forth. It's this is the probably the third or fourth, I think. Yeah. At least. I think it's the second. Um, no, it's been brought more than that, I think. Okay. I think it's the third at, at least. Don't quote me on that, but I think so. Um, so let's hope that this time People understand, hey, well, you know what? I want to know where my food comes from. Well, horrible policies, you guys heard about Burning Man. Um, no, they didn't. No one. You came to me the other night and you said, let me show you this Burning Man video. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And you're like, Michelle, everybody on the face of the planet but you knows about Burning Man. We've been talking about it for years and we know all that. And I literally did not. So maybe, Leah, on our show, you could explain to the dummies like me who have no idea what this is. Burning Man is like a giant Woodstocky thing where people go and listen to music and experience life together. 70,000 people in the middle of a desert in Nevada. And it's on a... And how uh, long have they been doing this? For years. I don't know how long. Um, well, like in they, the 70s or 80s, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and they go and they camp and they live kind of off-grid the best that they can. No, they got a bunch of fancy RVs. And they... Um, they consider themselves artsy fartsy. They, you know, it's kind of a big orgy. They're like a bunch they of do hippies. Drugs, they drink and they pretend that they're smart. And and there's a bunch of bands that come in and play. Yeah, but they don't let you know what bands. They don't want you to because we're too we're too sophisticated to be. You know, Chris Rock was there. He got so what he got um, kind of rescued out of there. So what happened was it rained, and it and this um, former mud basin, the playa. That was a lake, a dried up lake, turned into this this mud trap, and nobody could leave. And finally, they got everybody out. And I want you to see the video of what they left behind: the trash, even vehicles. These are the greenies. These are the leftists. These are the people who supposedly are for the environment. If you scroll down, um, there is a video there. The piles and mounds of trash. This is what we saw again with the festivals there in the UK how crazy it was. So the sheriff is slamming the uh, bur uh, the Burning Man uh, attendees here for leaving behind. And the mass exodus from craziness. Burning Man is slowly moving forward after rain and mud trapped more than 70,000 festival goers for days. For now, there's new concern over what they're leaving behind. Our Liz Kreutz is there. At Burning Man's Black Rock City, days trapped in messy sludge have now turned to hours stuck in gridlock traffic. It was a great burn until it rained. Tonight, the slow crawl out of the remote desert festival stretching for miles. Tens of thousands still trying to get out. This is where festival goers finally reach a paved road. But getting here is a lesson in patience. For some, the six-mile trip out taking as long as nine hours. And now questions are mounting over the chaotic mess left behind. The Pershing County Sheriff slamming the conduct of festival goers, telling the San Francisco Chronicle some abandoned their property and vehicles, leaving trash across several miles as they scrambled to escape the storm. There have been people that have left things. I think a lot of people had a very fear-based reaction. Organizers have not responded to NBC's request for comment about the aftermath. But veteran festival goers like Terry Galt, who's staying behind to clean up, are frustrated. We know that people abandon their camps, so it's not surprising to hear that there was trash left behind. What's your message to people who leave things behind? 
Well, one of the 10 principles is leave no trace. So for those people who left trash behind, those aren't real burners. They probably shouldn't be out here anyway. This all comes as authorities continue to investigate the death of a man at the height of the storm. Authorities say there's no indication it was weather related, but that conditions may have slowed their response. While most today are going out by car, some finding ways to avoid the congestion. With the bike was just uh, 30 minutes. Tonight, with half the festival still inside, the famous Burning Man is gone, but a massive cleanup effort still lies ahead. Liz Kreutz, like NBC News, like Black Rock Des. Like a piece of furniture. They just burn things. They burn the things. They no, burn, no, 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 because if you're going to be burning anything that has paint on it, that mm -hmm. piece of furniture looked like it probably had some press board on it and these chemicals. What the heck? Yeah. Speaking of burn, uh, Joe Biden was asked, and we played this on our um, Bridie on segment. Joe Biden was asked if he was going to go see um, East Palestine. East Palestine. And he said, what did he say? Speaking of burning chemicals. Oh, dear God. I said in March that you would go to East Palestine, Ohio. You came here. How come you haven't gone to East Palestine yet? Well, I haven't had the occasion to go to East Palestine. There's a lot going on here, and I just haven't been able to break. I was thinking whether I'd go to East Palestine this week, but I then was reminded I've got to go literally around the world. I'm going from uh, from Washington to India to Vietnam, to, and so I, it's going to be a while. But... Uh, we're making sure that East Palestine has what they need materially in order to deal with their problems. After you chemically burned them out. Oh my gosh, I cannot even with this guy. Wow. So, I, I guess for me, Joe Biden could not care less about East Palestine, Ohio. Coming, we are Ohioans. This state and what happened in East Palestine has been left behind but not by amazing people like Mike Adams and Scott Kesterson, who have had our friends uh, Karen Johnson and Elizabeth Retray on. I do actually have an update. If you guys have, have stayed tuned to, um, we had them on our show to talk about where all these chemicals from East Palestine are getting processed mm -hmm. and dumped. Yeah. And uh, Ross Environmentals in Eaton Township, Ohio, has taken it on and Eaton Township is fighting Ross Environmental from being able to expand. And I have some good news. Christine said, our prayers were answered. Uh, someone had asked the trustees to verify both parcel numbers in the application hearing. One was published incorrectly. She said it was an illegal hearing. It needed to be canceled and republished. After attorneys and trustees conferred, it was decided to receive public comment um, even if it became a public meeting instead of a public hearing. If it is illegal, the entire application process would restart due to the legal time limits. It will continue on September 11th at 7 p.m. So when the parcel numbers are filed incorrectly, you have to start over. And so that could be a huge, at least, win in the time frame of all of this. So if you missed the interview that... Elizabeth and Karen did with Mike Adams, you can find it on brighteon.com. 
um, and I will try to make sure that that link is in the email that goes out this week. I know I missed this past week's email, um, but this Monday I'll try to put together an email of all the latest and I'll make sure that that's in there. You guys can check it out. So super exciting on that front and they are going to continue to fight. Yes. Do and we it. really need to support them because when, we, when it comes to the environment, mm -hmm. frankly, Christians should be at the top yeah. because this is God's creation mm -hmm. and what they are doing this is what I say about this, and then we'll move on. The, the idea that we need these big incinerators like Ross mm -hmm. to burn and incinerate these types of chemicals and on such a large scale leads us all to ask the question, yeah. should we even have these types of chemicals to start with? Do we need the products that they create that bad? That, that is the best question. That is, that is the question to ask. Do we really need these products? All right. Do we really need Mike Pence? That's my, oh, shoot. Do we really need Mike Pence? That's my question. You know, he's running for president. He was Donald Trump's uh, vice president. Uh, let me just explain something to you. You ain't loyal, bro. You ain't loyal. We know what you were doing. We know why you were put there. And we don't trust you as far as we can throw you. So I don't know what your game plan is. But you're trying to, to bring back conservatism with you and Nikki Haley. It's gone. It's dead. Whatever your conservatism was, the, 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 whatever you, you know, do what I say, listen to me. Like the whole, like, please be hypnotized again. Ain't going to work, brother. It's not going to work. And one of the lines you're set to deliver is that are we going to follow the siren song of populism away from the timeless conservative principles of the Republican Party? Uh, right. To whom are you referring? Right. Well, look, I, I, you look at this Republican field, whether it's uh, my former running mate or some of his imitators, and uh, there is a push uh, in this Republican primary to to move us away from our party's historic commitment really? to American leadership on the world stage, Jane to a commitment to fiscal responsibility and reform in the face of a massive national debt crisis. Uh, and many of those people I shared the stage with, including my former running mate who wasn't there, want to marginalize the right to life and relegate it to a state's only issue. And one of the lines Okay, now let me explain something. He's not wrong on that very last point, and he is using that as uh, his... his um, his his stance like we're gonna i'll be pro-life for you pro-life people you come over here i'm telling you something i don't trust him as far as i can throw him i do not you you should no, not. no he is a monster and he's using that pro-life to try to get the christians back on his side it's not gonna work it's not gonna work the only chance that a uh, mike pence nikki haley ticket stands of winning by the way and it would be a mike pence nikki haley ticket make no mistake about it um is by jailing Trump. Yeah. They have to get and get or getting him out of the race. Mm -hmm. But even then, Leah, the safest place for Trump right now is to win the presidency. Like, you no, know, what I mean is, what I mean is, I believe a Ron DeSantis would beat a Mike Pence hands down. In what? In a primary. They're, they're, they're in the primary. What I mean is, if, if, if for some reason between now and the actual vote for the primary, yeah, well, nobody's if something happens to yeah. Trump, if Mike Pence does not, so I don't know what. You no, know, and that's what I have chance. to say. You know what? If something does happen to Trump, thank goodness Ron DeSantis is in there. You better not want him to go anywhere. Uh, we have a lot of viewers, Leah. A lot. No, of that's viewers. something that you just said. You just said something. 
I'm saying that when you say that though, we have a ton of viewers. I would say probably 45% of our viewers hate Ron DeSantis and think I don't that he's care. a swamp creature. I don't care. I think don't that care. he's just as bad as a Mike Pence. Stop it. That's stupid. They it's do. only because really you think, think you're... It. Okay, let me explain something. Ron DeSantis is the best governor that the United States has seen in many, 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 many years. In a, a lot of, a lot of years. Was he right to go into the race? I don't know. But he calls out Trump on certain issues. But let me explain that. I'm not saying to vote for him in the primary. I'm saying that if they, if Donald Trump is assassinated and you're left with a primary that has already got gotten started and you can't get anybody else into the primary. Once yeah, it's good. closed, it's goes. You don't understand how the system goes. You can just randomly run for, for the Republican party. You can't. And so guess what? I, I just let him be okay. Cause he's a good backup. Let's put it this way. Everybody's corrupt and everybody's corruptible. And I will say I voted for Trump. Trump's my president. Might vote for him again. Haven't decided yet. God's going to lead me on that. But even Trump, the things that he instituted and the things that he did were just as bad as things that Ron DeSantis would do. Mm. Everybody is is the lockdowns and pushing the jab. Yeah, I have just people to somebody, some degree. Somebody posted a tweet about Ann Vanderseel. I know you guys love her, and she said that. What's coming down the pipe is they're going to activate the 5G and the Marburg virus is going to activate in the pe all the people who are vaccinated. Okay, I do not believe that's true. Um, but that's what she said. And somebody who is actually anti-Trump said, if she truly believes that and she still supports Trump, there's a huge amount of cognitive dissonance for you to say that Donald Trump pushed this thing and he's still pushing this thing that would activate, the 5G would activate this Marlboro virus and kill half the people. Like, oh my gosh, for real. Assuming that Trump would know that it would do that though. Doesn't matter. If, you, if, if, it, if it happens, then it's on you. And, we, and he has not said one thing about anybody who's been um, injured, injured by the vaccine. He has not met with any of the vaccine injured people. He has not said, wow, you know, so yeah, he's got to come out and, and he's got to, to, he's got a lot that he's got to make up for. To think that Ron DeSantis and any um, big name patches that he would be wearing on, on his coat there is he any worse than Donald very... Trump. Let me finish this sentence. This is good. This is important. Any worse than Donald Trump pushing a thing that killed and harmed and damaged and uh, I don't even know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people and he still hasn't repented of it. He still has not addressed it. He still does not talk to the injured families. He still thinks it's great. Guys, please stop worshiping this man. He's not perfect. No one is. So whether it's Ron DeSantis and his faults or Trump and his faults, everybody has them. Yeah. We don't have anybody that's uh, that's in this race right now that we can look and at I'll and tell go, you what, wow, they're really I have set support, apart. I have to support Donald Trump right now because there's four indictments against him. Yeah. And they're all false. Right. Okay. So um, when it comes to Ron DeSantis, he was the only guy who put in one of the frontline doctors as his medical director of the state. Right. And look who Trump picked. That guy is still telling people to mask up, lock down, jab up. Like he's horrible. Yeah. Absolutely horrible. And he should have pulled him and put in somebody else, like a frontline doctor. You know, Everybody's so busy to make excuses for Donald Trump because you do that for people that you love. Mm -hmm. 
But when it comes to somebody it's else, like a Ron DeSantis, you're like, well, I'm not making any excuses for him. None whatsoever. I'm like, guys, all these big names are corrupt. Why Nobody you... is coming out there like a man of God, powerful, like no one. So they're all equally all crazy. Right. Okay, so I'm going to move on here. Uh, because this is going to be two years of whatever, a year and a half. We already played that clip, didn't we? No, no, no. Okay, we haven't played it yet. All right, so we're going to go on to Musk's fight with the Anti-Defamation League. This is very interesting because Musk is suing them now. And he says, he really, he tweeted out, drop the anti from the Defamation League because you're, he, he is, the Anti-Defamation League goes around and defames all these people and calls them anti-Semites when they're not. And they're calling Twitter an anti-Semite platform and pulling in the and forcing the advertisers to pull with threat of saying we'll put you on our anti defamation league list of anti-semites if you advertise on twitter yeah like and so he's suing for defamation because defamation you have to prove that somebody is purposefully trying to say something that would harm your reputation or your career and this is absolutely lost like at least 10 to 20 to 50% of uh, Twitter's uh, evaluation here. Uh, I'm curious if you would weigh in. We were having uh, Jonathan Greenblatt from the ADL here uh, yesterday about this issue uh, on Twitter uh, about anti-Semitism. Um, we raised a lot of different issues. Clearly, Elon Musk is upset with him, thinking that he is uh, effectively preventing advertisers from, from advertising on the platform at the same time that he thinks that anti-Semitism is, is spreading, on, spreading on the platform. Where do you stand? You know, this is such a complex issue. I was just mentioning my mom's side's Jewish. I was in town seeing my grandma recently, uh, who lost a lot of family in the Holocaust. I think the number one thing, Andrew, first of all, is that you have to be really careful, uh, basically, like, supporting directly any of these anti-Semites or making them think they're being supported. So, so n n number and Elon Musk stated very clearly he's not anti-Semitic. I, right. I believe him. I know him very well. But he has a following of millions of people who who see this being in the ADL getting traction and don't necessarily all realize uh, what's going on here. Some of them think it's a dog whistle to anti-Semitism. So right. number, number one, that's not but, good. But it's him kind of promoting some of that stuff, too, and playing with Well, well he is. And, and just in terms of not promoting as much as by engaging with them. I mean, he's they angry at them. Much... He's angry. Elon's a fighter. Like, it's part of how he builds all these things and wins. He's, 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 a, he's a fighter. He's like, I'm going to push for what's right. And he's angry at them. And I, I empathize with some of that anger. I know, I know where it's coming from. I think the ADL has gone very political to the left, which is unfortunate. I think there's a lot of things they do that are not about stopping hate. They're about pushing leftist views. And, and I think that they need to say exactly what they want Twitter to do, by the way, because it's very, very hard for Elon. What's exactly what I'm supposed to do if I'm trying to do free speech? and block the anti-Semitism. So I, I think Elon feels he's been treated very unfairly. A lot of us feel that as well. But I think there's a wisdom side of it, which is kind of hard for him. He's so busy to realize he's, he's like an inspiration to millions of people who don't know that. How do you think you square that piece of it? I don't think, I don't know him nearly as well as you do, but I don't think he's anti-Semitic per se not. at all. I, I think it's, it's against his nature. However, I think he does like to stoke the fire, if you will, of folks on Twitter, partially for the activity of it, partially for the entertainment of it, partially for whatever it is. Partially for true outrage uh, at feeling he's being treated unfairly. No, he's stated very clearly he's not anti-Semitic. He's clearly not. He's stated in the past he's probably even pro-Semitic if he's anything. He has all these smart Jews around him. He's worked with his whole career. But, and he's frustrated at the ADL. So I, I think it's very interesting to me, Andrew, because I have friends, you know, on one side, on the ADL side, who are right. my future. Why not against you know? those people? Meaning more forcefully on Twitter and say, you know what, all you folks who are saying these things 
I just want you to know I completely disagree. I mean, there's something, by the way, I, I hate to compare it to Trump. Trump did some very uh, pro-Israel things, uh, for example, uh, for Jewish people, and yet at the same time seemed to like to stoke the fire of you know white supremacists. I mean, it was a, a very unusual situation. I mean, I mean, he did come out two days ago with a tweet that very clearly said, I'm against all forms right. of anti-Semitism. I mean, he's purposely took the time. Elon's a guy who's really busy. He doesn't usually take the time to do things like that. I mean, he took the time to like really clearly try to state that. I'm not... I'm not sure what else. Yes, because you could that's because people had questions because of some of because he's annoyed at the ADL. Okay, so this is a very kind of a strange situation where everybody knows that Elon Musk is not an anti-Semite, right? Um, and when you're you have you've got these platforms and you've got horrible people on them, and I really think that they want to find a Nazi everywhere to try to kind of prove the rule that they want and they want to put us all in a box and i will say that there is this kind of a stoking of the idea that there are racist or whatever in the republican party and obviously we don't stand behind any of that and craziness and i do know that i absolutely hate just really dislike Nick Fuentes. I feel like he is, um, if he's not like um, a plant of the left to make us look bad, then he is just a horrible, downright disgusting human being. That being said, you know, there is this pushback by people on the right and it's not, and it's not right. You know, um, could be just because other people are pro pro black doesn't mean that you should go around being pro white. We're not pro anything, right? And you can't just say you're pro white. What does that even mean, pro white? I like we're all different shades of different colors, and you know most of us are a mix of something, right? So he's back here. I got a little guy in here. So let me read you a few of these tweets. Make sure you you're up here. All right. So, among other things, Elon Musk tweeted this out. The ADL wanted this platform to permanently ban Trump, even though roughly half of the country voted for him. What exactly does banning Trump have to do with fighting anti-Semitism? That's a really great question because Trump was the most pro-Israel um, president like in history. And his son and daughter, son-in-law and daughter are Jewish. And he, he helped um, process the... Abraham Accords between other other mother other Muslim nations and Israel, and he made Jerusalem the capital of Israel for Jewish people. And so, the Anti Defamation League is supposed to be about making sure that Jewish people are not uh, defamed for being Jewish. And Trump is not anti-Jewish. So, what is it that you hate about Trump? It's so strange. So, um, Elon Musk had a poll asking people if they would want Trump back on and they said yes so the people have spoken Trump will be reinstated so whether you not appreciate Trump's comments on social media the head of the ADL threatening a private company to force them to keep the former president off of Twitter is a far greater threat to democracy that would be true uh, where you had the, the head of the ADL saying for Elon Musk will allow Donald Trump back on Twitter ostensibly after a brief poll shows he is not remotely serious about safeguarding the platform from hate harassment and misinformation 
Well, I didn't know the Anti-Defamation League was about all of that. So Glenn Greenwald says, now that the dust is settled, the ADL controversy was only about one question. Do you want the ADL to have power to dictate what can and can't be said online? Many left liberals sided with the ADL because they prefer the DNC-aligned activist group rule to free-running internet. Okay, they prefer that. They want to be told what to do. Now, Mario... Uh, That's on, the public school system yeah. for you. They taught you that. ADL banning Trump from Twitter election interference. After months of pressure from the ADL, the president of the most powerful nation in the world was banned from Twitter. Yes, the same ADL that CEO Jonathan Greenblatt wants us to think is a small, non-for-profit in New York. What happened? During the 2016 presidential campaign, the ADL, ADL frequently criticized Trump for allegedly using anti-Semitic anti uh, narratives and promoting divisive rhetoric. I didn't know that you censor somebody for divisive rhetoric. That's pretty much the Democrats all day. That's all they know how to do is divide. Even after his election, the ADL continued to challenge Trump for seemingly endorsing extremists like white supremacists, exploiting anti-Semitism for political gain, and perpetuating anti-Semitic stereotypes. They even called for his removal from office after January 6th. He was banned within days. The ADL and the Stop Hate for Profit Coalition, co-founded by the ADL, urged all social media platforms to ban Trump Save Democracy and permanently remove him from the platforms by January 20th. They all pushed for brands and companies to withdraw advertising on these social media networks until Trump is permanently banned from these platforms. Remember how Greenblatt claimed two days ago that the ADL was not out there publicly or privately talking to advertisers? This illustrates the power and influence of the ADL. Uh, Mario says, I'm trying to give the ADL the benefit of the doubt, as I generally respect their mission statement and what they stand for. However, the amount of power and influence they possess under Greenblatt and the way they use it should not be acceptable in any democracy. They can and did silence the president of the most powerful country in the world. They can and did financially cripple Facebook and X, two of the largest social media platforms. Do not be deceived when they refer to themselves as a small nonprofit out of New York. They are a behemoth, using their mission statements to stifle free speech. Um, and so ban the ADL was trending on Twitter. So I'm going to play this video here where um, the post-millennials, Ari Hoffman, uh, what he has to say about the ADL. I uh, want to ask you about the disturbing incident uh, where you became the target of explicit online anti-Semitic death threats for supporting Elon Musk. Uh, Human Events posted the article here. What's going on? I mean, the ADL clearly is not the uh, the party of, you know, supporting Jews, as, as many have come out and said it's it's a propagandist, it's a, a left organization, and you're standing with Elon like many other people. What's transpired? Well, the ADL, yeah, the ADL was, was formed with the best of intentions, it really was, but it's really lost sight of what its job is supposed to be, which is defending Jews, advocating for Jews and the Jewish people. And unfortunately, it doesn't do that at all anymore. Unfortunately, it's just a mouthpiece for the progressive left. Jonathan Greenblatt, was a member of the Obama administration. Whatever the left finds interesting, whatever the left finds offensive, that's what they target, that's what they go after, that's what they advocate for. So it was almost a week when my family got death threats that were investigated by the FBI that made international headlines before the ADL said one word. It was only the local chapter and they issued a lukewarm statement while many other Jewish organizations stood up for me. The ADL right now is unfortunate because it's supposed to be such a good thing and instead, it's become this just highly politicized organization. Mm. So Glenn Greenwald has once again dissected a load of establishment propaganda disguised as legitimate reporting, this time shredding a new fraudulent disinformation study from the Washington Post. The study, which was sponsored by the European Union with an Ahmadir-funded group, access, accuses Twitter of facilitating pro-Russia propaganda for failing to censor more. 
That's kind of crazy. Um, the EU-led study insisted that Elon Musk's new Twitter policies and those of the big tech platforms help spread Russia propaganda. As far as I know, RT is not allowed anywhere doing anything. Okay, no, they're not. By which they mean that Musk's reduction of political censorship on the site and the failure of big tech generally to censor upon command is dangerous. Greenwald then opines on the hypocrisy of people who consist constantly march under the banner of saving democracy and pro-democracy and saving the West from authoritarianism, when in reality their central project is to eliminate free speech in the digital age. I don't know if you have this up. We can play a couple sure. of these um, videos. On Friday, Greenwald also shredded neocons, including David Frum, who called anti-war conservatives unpatriotic. Frum also peddled the lie that Elon Musk turned off Starlink to thwart a Ukrainian military operation last fall, when in fact Musk refused to activate it for offensive purposes. Nothing was turned off. Wow. Greenwald also opined on propaganda from the ADL, which he argues shouldn't have the power to influence ad revenues in the pursuit of censoring whatever the left doesn't like. He notes that after Brexit and Trump, the neoliberal establishment in the West was genuinely traumatized and concluded it's too dangerous to allow the Internet to be free. It's too dangerous for you and I to say what we need to say. It leads to outcomes we can't control. And the mainstream left fully agrees. I can't stress this enough. Their conclusion is it's too dangerous for us to speak the truth. Yeah, that's a good one. Governments with the power to censor opposition and dissent to their war policies, and yet that is what the EU has been doing from the beginning. And the U.S., given the First Amendment, has been doing as well, albeit with non-legal means. Now, this concern is starting to lead to a real escalation and attacks on big tech and demanding that they censor dissent on the war. So here you see an article from the Washington Post in September 1st of 2023. And as we showed you, the tweet where they promoted and unveiled the, the article went super viral. Just liberals sitting there all day clicking retweet, not of course having even read the study, or the, the article, let alone the study, where they would have seen that the whole claim is completely dubious and even flagrantly fraudulent, as we're about to show you. But here was a central claim. Elon Musk's new Twitter policies helped spread Russian propaganda, the EU says. What were those new Twitter policies? The ones that reduced the amount of censorship on the platform. The ones that said, we're going to stop censoring dissent to Western narratives and Western policy on the most consequential policy debates like COVID, like election integrity, like the war in Ukraine. This is what they're targeting. This is what they're angry about. They're claiming that free speech policies on the internet are dangerous. Okay. Pause because this, it leads to this. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to ramp up. We're going to, um, are everybody going to rumble real quick? And I'm sorry that our system crashed. So if you guys joined back with us, that's fantastic. Um, so um, thank you for, for, for finding us again. All right. So all the people watching on the book face. Please go and subscribe to Rumble, where we can say things that we want to say. We're going to talk about a new bill that passed in California that's very dangerous um, for children. I've just put the link in the chat, or you can just go to rumble.com forward slash resistance chicks. The California Assembly just approved the um, AB 957. It's uh, co-authored by the LGBTI which requires judges to give preferential treatment to parents in custody battles who affirm a child's gender identity or gender expression. So um, I want to talk about that a little bit. Our show is 
winding down and I know you're sad and uh, that's okay because you can see us in person. Exactly on, uh, let me pull this up, uh, September 21st through the 23rd in Flemingsburg, Kentucky. So I want you guys to go to bardsfm.com forward slash bardsfest, B-A-R-D-S-F-E-S-T, bardsfest. All right. So here we are. Tickets, guys, they're $100 for three days. But guess what? If you can't afford it, it's just by come. donation. It's by donation. Five okay. bucks. Okay, whatever. Um, you can come. Anybody can come. So, But you got to register. Equipping the Saints for the work of the ministry. This event is shaping up to be unlike any event that you have, you have ever been to. never been to something like this. Okay. We are going to kick it off actually Wednesday night. If you want to show, show up early with your RV or your tent or whatever and come camp with us, we're going to have a wedding. It's not either of Leah and I. We, that, that's not happening right Duncan. now. Duncan. But Duncan is marrying his wife, Raina. He's the kilted um, Christian. The, the kilted Christian, Scott Scott Kesterson's right-hand man. So we're going to be doing that. And then on Thursday, we've got a whole amazing slate of speakers, including, let's scroll down here and see some of them. Um, They're not listed yet. No, but we've oh, got okay. some speakers. We've got Scott Kesterson. Oh, we've got resistance those? chicks. We've got Tom Renz. He's a 90 percenter. Um, coming. We haven't 100% confirmed him. We've got Dr. Lee Merritt. Don't know why her photo is not loading there. Lieutenant Cha um, Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, Doc Chambers. Uh, Pastor Brad Cummings, who's uh, a good friend the, of the ours. The founding, Founders Bible. The Founders Bible guy. Is it, but he's so much more than that. He's an amazing guy. Hannah Giles of Project Veritas. Pastor Paul Cantrell, who's also a friend of ours. He's bringing his family there. So full of the power of Ten God. Ten kids. Fill with glory. Um, He's a minister. He's a minister. Uh, Joe Allen, he is, um, he's written for the Chronicles, the Federalist, Human Events, the National Pulse. Um, he has a degree from Boston University where he studied cognitive science and human evolution. So that's super cool. Joe Vega, he is a uh, retired um, special ops guy. So we have, so, so Friday is setting up. We've got a ton of Military special ops people. We're going to have a special op military roundtable. It's going to be phenomenal. We've got Dr. Doug Frank. We've got Donica, our friend Donica Hudson. Um, she is just an amazing, she's the founder of um, the Truth Tellers ne Network and IHP Global Ministries. She's a minister. She has an amazing story of what she's she done the in Christian North Carolina. Of America. She's just powerful. She spoke at our event in Plymouth. Uh, Cameron Hamilton, he's a seasoned Navy SEAL combat vet. Myron and Dottie may not be coming, but um, we're kind of hoping and praying for them. Their house is flooded. They're um, the They're... Vice President, former Vice President of the Navajo Nation. Uh, phenomenal couple there. Rhonda Miller of, can I say the name? I probably can't on Facebook. Well, you can. They're okay. on Facebook. Okay, Purple for Parents. But she is going to... The Alfred Kinsey expert. Going to school everybody mm -hmm. on the sexualization of kids. Going to blow your mind. Our friend, a dear friend, Pastor Devin O'Neill is going to come and bring fire. Um, and our friend, if that's a wrong name, Jason Heidinger. You guys know him very well. Pastor Reverend, uh, Reverend Dr. Dad, um, who's been on the Kingdom Roundtable and Revelation Red Pill. And there actually are more speakers that are not listed here. But John it's Barnes not, is coming. John Barnes, John and Stacey Barnes are coming. Um, you guys saw them on Revelation Red Pill just this past Wednesday. Uh, it's three days of food, fellowship, fellowship, um, just revival, and we have so many kids' events. 
Oh my gosh, the kids' events are just going to be phenomenal. You're going to learn dehydrating, canning, sourdough bread. Um, there will be uh, like special ops training for the kids. There might First be some aid, axe throwing, some knife throwing, a bouncy house, a movie. I night. actually am excited about the kids' cast by Lee Merritt. She's going to teach a kids' class on that's amazing. On, uh, I think like natural healing or oh something. Oh my gosh, awesome. guys, this is this is this event. So here's the deal. We're going to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you guys have been tuning into to Resistance Chicks and you've been like, I need the fire of God to take down the come, deep state, the new world it. order, come and get it. We are going to equip you with spiritual gifts, I promise you. And if you have had a porn addiction or you were molested as a child, we're going to have the a focus whole is on evening ending sex devoted on that to end sex trafficking and all that deliverance. You need to be there. So if you can be. Go to bardsfm.com forward slash bardsfest. It's coming up in just a couple of weeks. So so seriously, guys, two Fridays from now, we're going to be at Bards Fest. We will not be here. There will be no Friday night resistance chicks. Okay? We're going to be, but you'll be tuning in because we will be live streaming all of it on Resistance Chicks Rumble channel. Very, very exciting. So if you can't make it, that's okay. But I believe that a lot of you are called to come. Get your get yourself um, geared up and ready for what is coming. And we are going to advance the kingdom of God like you have never seen before. So be prayed up. Yes. You can also donate. You can buy tickets for other people. If you cannot make it, just go to bardsfm.com. And yeah, and if that. you guys want to support anybody going, you can donate there for other people to come and donate to the event if you can't make it. Uh, but you can definitely watch it. Uh, I believe Bright Ann's going to stream it. I think something's going on with Cloud Hub. Uh, yeah, Cloud Hub is going to stream so it. So it's just going to be everywhere. And share it with your friends and family because you're going to love it. And Okay. so Now we, we're going to say goodbye to Facebook. We're going to say goodbye to Facebook. So goodbye, Facebook. Click on the Rumble link. I, I should literally see now there's 73 people watching on Facebook. I should see the Rumble number go up by 73 people right now. Instantly. Goodbye. It should be dropping as we speak. Oh, good. There goes six people. Y'all are doing it. Thank you. Click on the link. Go on over. We're going to start um, calling you out by name. start calling you. I can't. I don't know their names. I can see the number of people. No, we got somebody else on Facebook. Go to Rumble. Okay. <laughs> All right. We lost. All right. We're, we're, you're dropping. You're dropping. You're obeying. Thank you very much. Appreciate ah, it. I love you guys. Go to Rumble. Just click on the link in the chat. Okay. All right. Goodbye, Facebook. All right, you guys. This is so disturbing. California's Assembly just approved the anti-parent custody bill AB957 co-authored by the childless LGBTQIA creep Scott Wiener, which Is requires, that really yes, name? that's his name. That's a made up name. Which requires judges to give preferential treatment to parents in custody battles who affirm a child's gender identity and gender expression. They want to make California a sanctuary state. So if your child, let's say you married the wrong person, let's say they went to the dark side, okay? You guys have to be very careful who you marry and who you have kids with because normal people are not so normal anymore, okay? And many Christians are now uh, gay, transgender affirming, okay? And if you take your kid, just randomly, if you kidnap your child and you say it's because my child wants to have gender surgery, yeah, the California state will give you custody You're and give kidding. you preferential treatment. No way. Yes way. Wow. That's right. If you are a parent in California that has traditional values or simply believes boys and are boys and girls are girls, you might lose custody of your children. That's awful. The bill already passed the California Senate and will now go to Gavin Newsom's desk to be signed into law. California is the Democrat model for the rest of America. One party rule, extreme wealth stratification, millions of illegals, mass exodus of middle class, crime, open air drug use, high taxes from Charlie Kirk. And all it marked by a woke assault on science, biology, and God ordained parental rights. 
This is highly, highly disturbing. I don't think we're screen sharing yet. That's okay. I'm going to bring up this particular person. Now, this goes along with this story. It's, uh, it's not California. Artemis. Oh my gosh. I know. I saw that when it came up. This, when I watched this it earlier. poor child is sick in the head. Artemis is the goddess of fertility and like sexual perversion. So this boy changed his, quote unquote, tried to change his gender, gave himself a new name, Artemis, the god of sex and, and fertility and disgustingness. Okay, goddess. So Artemis Langford, a man who forced himself into a University of Wyoming sorority and got a visible erection while watching women change. To be part of the sorority, they make it. They try to force and they force the girls to allow to be part of the sorority. On MSNBC, says you're very brave. It takes a very brave and unique person to do this, to be a first you, in a situation like this. And you know it, and then to continue on. I want people to know that everything that they've uh, experienced. That I'm certainly not the first trans person to ever be attacked by elements in the media. I want people to know that it's never okay for that kind of scrutiny on a person just because of their identity, just because I'm trans. Not Every day that they can be themselves yeah. is a good day for us all. It's okay. I know you want attention. I know that you want to see yourself as special. And we know that you are attracted to girls because of your obvious. Your body reacted in a certain way. And these girls did not feel safe. My mom always said something, and you guys will probably concur. She always, well, first of all, women can only get pregnant for a few days a month. But men walk around with the ability to be pregnant, get somebody pregnant all the time. So men... Men walk around with a literal weapon on their bad days, okay? It's as equally damaging as a sword or a knife because rape destroys people. And just like a knife can be used for good, male anatomy can be used for good and for bad, okay? You need it to pee, all right? But the reason why we really segregate the areas between male and female is because everybody with a thinking brain, if you teach biology, says that men walk around with a weapon. They walk around with a weapon. And so this young man is walking around with a weapon because guess what? Having that sort of visual representation in front of other girls changing is sexual assault. Yeah, it is. That is a violent crime. Right. And it's, and, and it's truly sickening that nobody's standing up for it. And if we, the Anti-Defamation League has put, some, like, you and I Here's what on I their kind of list for saying that. Why is it that the feelings of these people it, are put higher than the feelings of others, of the girls? Right? And this goes to, like, Leah Thomas, the swimmer. Why is it that her feelings... Her excuse me, his feelings supersede those of the girls on the team. 
you guys put it in the chat because you know that we we know the answer to that, but it drives me crazy to keep repeating. Back to the ADL real quick. This is a news clip from the 90s detailing how the ADL was caught handing, caught red-handed creating fake Nazi groups to justify their existence and to raise money. Many of you may remember in February 1979, there was a big uproar because someone by the name of James Gutman applied for a permit to lead a march of Nazis through downtown Philadelphia. Now, eventually, some enterprising reporters did an investigation. You know what they turned up? James Gutman was none other than Mordecai Levy, who worked with the Anti-Defamation League and later split off that to form the terrorist Jewish Defense League. This was an operation that was run by the ABL. They wanted to have a Nazi march in Philadelphia. Why? Because how can they raise money to justify their existence if American Jews don't think there's a lot of anti-Semitism? So what better thing to do than to slap swastikas on a couple of people, leave them on a march through town, and then the next day the ADL comes marching in and says, look, there are Nazis on the street, you need to give us money so we can protect you. And then on top of that, have a tax-exempt status. This was not a one-time operation. Wow. Oh, this was not. So, you know, what's interesting is that Michelle and I, um, we lost our ability to be monetized on YouTube. Can you plug it in? Oh, we're good. In uh, 2017, because we covered the, what Scott Adams calls the fine people hoax in Charlottesville. And how nobody has seen these really crazy looking idiots with um, 50s haircuts. No, boys don't do those haircuts. What they did by the is way. they dressed up a bunch of people to look like white supremacists in wife beaters with their like hair slicked back like a greaser. And, um, and we to, played the clip last week for like the casting call for for the other one, but not for, for Charlottesville. But yeah. that's what they did. They literally put in actors mm -hmm. to look like white supremacists because yeah. they couldn't get any real ones to show up. Yeah, exactly. So I want you to play this clip by uh, Tim Pool. Laura Loomer, I'm not a big fan, but she has been uh, uncovering these. Um, they There were these Nazis who showed up in Florida and doing like Nazi symbols and Sig Kyles or whatever. Um, she has been uncovering and researching um, a couple of their frontman Nazis, and uh, Tim Pool is discussing the recent bombshell exposed expose how about a Ukrainian Nazi spy operative named Sergei Dyinbinian who penetrated the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, how the FBI covered it up, and how our government is working with Ukrainian neo-Nazis in the CIA-backed color, cover, color revolutions in Ukraine and U.S. soil. There was one guy who uh, didn't get charged who was in the Capitol that day, and that was Sergei Dabinim. And he was actually a Ukrainian Azovite soldier who happened to find himself in the Capitol that day. And uh, some photos were uncovered of him this week by Laura Loomer. And it just, I find it crazy that you have Ukrainian spies that are in our Capitol infiltrating our seat of government. And they're not charged. They're allowed to come to the U.S. They're allowed to go protest in Orlando this week with all those guys. They're allowed to go back to Ukraine. But then we have, you know, American citizens that weren't even there. And they're getting 20-year sentences. So this is interesting. Laura Loomer posted this. 
She says, I've exclusively confirmed the FBI identified Ukrainian operatives and neo-Nazis were at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th and even questioned J6ers about Ukrainian spies during interviews with the FBI. The New York Times, uh, actually, no, I'm sorry, this is a daily dot, not the New York Times, uh, said why Ukraine is now being accused of secretly orchestrating the Capitol riot. Can I just, I want to I explain to you what they do. It's one thing for Laura Loomer to be like, hey, look at this dude who is Ukrainian spy who appears to have been at the Capitol. Isn't that something crazy? What do they say? Ukraine is now being accused of orchestrating the Capitol riot, which is a massive leap from what Laura Loomer said. Mm -hmm. This is how they try to debunk the narrative. Yeah. They create a conspiracy theory that no one brought up mm -hmm. and then claim it's obviously insane, right? Yeah. Here's the tweet from Laura Loomer. She says, during the private interview with America Shaman, the FBI asked him how he knew a Ukraine operative who took a photo with him the day of J6. Chancellor didn't know the guy. And the FBI confirmed Ukrainian Sergei... How do you pronounce his name? Dibinin. Dibinin? Something like that. There's three Ys. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> uh, was a Ukrainian spy who was affiliated with the Nazi Azov Battalion. This means the U.S. Capitol was penetrated by Ukrainian spies. Well, I don't know about spies, but at least a spy. And the U.S. government and FBI have still not arrested these people or made the public aware of the foreign penetration. It's an act of war by Ukraine against the United States. And the U.S. government has sent $200 billion to Ukraine in the last two years. The CIA is funding a color revolution in the United States via Ukrainian Nazis and American Nazis who are being recruited by the CIA, etc., etc. I do think a lot of this is a bit of a stretch. I think there's a, there's a fair question of, this does look like the same guy. Are we absolutely sure it is him? Is well, the they question. said that the FBI and the CIA asked him about this guy being a Ukrainian. Right. So, I mean, make of make of the, you know, extrapolation what you will, but the fact that this guy was in our capital when all these other people are being charged with insurrection, what do you call that? That is, I mean, that is, at its core, an act of war. Mm -hmm. If there was Chinese spies doing that, what we, we know what we would call that. But because it's Ukraine and Ukraine is good, we have to just sit here and accept it? Yeah, he just wandered in. He was a tourist. There's, he couldn't have been there for any other reason. Nothing could be malicious. I mean, that's this is the question about all of January 6th, which is like, we know the FBI had informants from Proud Boys or Oath Keepers or different groups. We know that they had people on the ground that day. We know that the mayor of D.C. and Nancy Pelosi were offered uh, to have additional security and support of the Capitol, and that was turned down. So if the government intelligence communities knew this could potentially happen and it was such a big deal, why didn't they stop it? Why did they let it happen? Uh, it, for me, that's just evidence that it wasn't. I mean, my one of my favorite lines from the opening statements for the Proud Boys trial was uh, one of their lawyers, can't remember who at this moment, said, you know, she was reading these texts where these guys are saying, so what time should we meet up in the morning? Where, where are you going to be? Like, they, they didn't have a plan. And she just said, this group couldn't organize a group order at McDonald's. Like, they did not plan an insurrection. They did not try to overthrow the U.S. government. But I think ultimately, that's the narrative that you know, our intelligence community really needed to be the case. That's why they didn't intervene when theoretically they should have if they knew it was going to happen. I do think things are going to get a lot crazier in 2024. I think it'll be more heavy handed on the, on the side of the left. Seeing these uh, these far leftists be criminally charged with domestic terror in Rico. Good. Interesting. They're criminals who stormed a government facility and firebombed buildings, houses, shadow cops. Yeah, they need to be locked up. The rioters in front of at January 6th who are smashing things and trying to break their win. Yeah, they should be criminally charged too, but that's what? 16 months for violent riot and attacking cops? Not 20 years? The heavy-handedness is fairly obvious. The fact that Enrique Tarrio, according to the defense, they said he wasn't even in contact with them that day. They gave him 22 years. You know what I'll tell you is really interesting about this is that apparently there was a statement released by... Uh, uh, Tario gave a statement to the judge saying he regretted his actions. Do you see this? Mm -hmm. 
and that um you know he, he was remorseful and he shouldn't have done it he and said he that he's not a political zealot and he didn't even know that you could over he could change the results of an election and that you know he shouldn't have compared people to founding fathers or anything like that I think, and then the judge apparently said he doesn't see any reason why Enrique would be remorseful over his actions or actually believe it. Look, man, it's going to get crazier. In 2024, it will get crazier. We're already seeing a whole bunch of videos of people having their homes raided by feds. Now, in 2023, two and a half years later, there's how many people were there at the Capitol? We know that people who wandered in clueless, you know, a few hours after the start of everything were criminally charged and sentenced to a year or more. We know that the people who are storming the front actually engaged in violence have been criminal charged, criminally charged, but there are hundreds more, maybe even a thousand more, who have not yet been charged, who were there, and we're starting to see these videos pop up. Wow. That's crazy. But here, let me show you guys something. Um, we didn't cover too much of this, but there was that crazy white supremacist or whatever march in Florida. Well, one of the guys here, this bone face, uh, Laura says, Ukrainian Nazis are recruiting Nazis from Florida to fight in the Ukrainian war. One of the Nazis I caught on camera yesterday was shouting slurs at me is a guy named Kent McClellan. Uh, he goes by the name Boneface and his tire face is covered with tattoos. Uh, Kent McClellan is an American neo-Nazi who fought in Dun the Donbass as part of the Nazi right sector movement. He then joined Ukraine's Nazi Azov Battalion after Russia launched an attack on Ukraine. According to one report from 2022, McClellan received a Ukrainian passport in March of 2022. Kent McClellan is a man who has a swastika tattoo on half of his torso. He has killed civilians, has several convictions in the United States, and heads several neo-Nazi associations. This man now has Ukrainian citizenship. How is this man walking the streets and who is paying for his travel to the Ukraine? A source who reached out to me says they know him and they say that he is homeless and often unemployed. How is he affording to travel and plane tickets? This is a very kind of a strange um, set of events because um, this is a guy who went and fought in Ukraine. Slava Ukraini. Uh, bone face here. I'm not much of a, not really quite used to doing the webcam thing, but you know, it's worth a, worth a shot, you know? So I'd like to apologize ahead of time for any the first time I went to Ukraine was right after the Medellin Okay, so you guys get the idea. He was, he fought and whatever he did his deal. Okay, so this is this guy. And he was in Florida with the supposed Nazis. Now, that would actually put these Nazis on the left with Biden administration and Ukraine. And so if the white supremacy and Nazism is the largest um, horrible thing happening on the FBI's radar, then you better go watch the left. And if, if hate speech and encouraging hate speech, I believe that Ukraine war now is encouraging hate speech. Yeah. And um, kind of crazyism. You mean so, inciting violence. Inciting violence and hate speech and... That you know the Ukrainian Nazis love um, Joe Biden, so where do we go from here? It's very crazy. You know the ADL actually um, requested the uh, the girl who does the live the TikTok, TikTok. The ADL weren't the only ones who requested Twitter to ban and silence me. Harvard, Glad, HRC, which one's that? The Human Rights Campaign with the the if you see the equal sign on people's cars and other organizations did as well. Don't think I forgot. This is this is tortoise interference. Is that like the, and we will not let them get away with it. So I think she might be suing. 
And um, so there are other people suing the ADL as well. Uh, I think the Babylon Bee is suing the ADL because they were put on the list. Are we on the list? Oh, not yet. We're not mm. important enough. I guess so. All right. Okay, that's the end of the show. I that's believe. the whole end of the show. There's a ton of stuff up there you didn't get to. Yeah, well, um, I think um, I think that's it. I mean, I guess there, I mean, there's one more, I guess, on this story here. Now that I've got you guys just on Rumble. Is this a recent? Yeah, here we go. Virginia mom sues pro-transgender teachers for pushing her child into prostitution. A Virginia mother is suing her local school district for pushing her daughter into transgenderism, prostitution, and sex trafficking. Michelle Blair, the mother of then 14-year-old Sage Blair, filed a lawsuit against Apatomax County School Board District uh, employees and, uh, and Baltimore area public defender Anissa Khan, according to a report by the Washington Examiner. Scroll down and can watch her video. The mother alleged the school district employees secretly transitioned her daughter. The parent. I am an expert on my child. There is nobody in the school or courts system that knows my daughter better than me. Michelle Blair is suing her local school district, saying staff there secretly transitioned her daughter. It's not letting me go for Blair said her daughter was severely bullied in her Appomattox County school, leading her daughter to run away, only to be kidnapped and sex trafficked. And it was verbal, physical, sexually harassed with constant threats of rape by the male classmates. And but despite this, the school encouraged her to use the boys' bathroom. Blair's daughter Sage had a history of mental health issues, including depression, eating disorders, self-harm, and hallucinations, and Blair informed the school of it prior to any of the incidents. However, the school pursued a social transition for Sage, behind the back of her parents, according to the lawsuit filed by the Child and Parent Rights Campaign. Bernadette Broyles, Blair's attorney, told Washington Examiner, Sage ran away from home due to severe bullying and harassment at school. The school officials were encouraging to use the boys' bathroom even though they knew she was being threatened with sexual assault. She perceived herself that she, she wasn't safe and she runs away from home. Um, and she runs into the arms of a waiting pedophile who uh, encounters her, rapes her, traffics her with other, to other men and takes her across state lines into Washington, D.C., and then ultimately into Maryland. The nightmare should have ended there, but the Baltimore juvenile court system took custody of the young girl. Area public defender Anissa Khan concluded the Blairs were not, quote, sufficiently affirming of her new identity. Mm -hmm. While in custody, Sage was put into a boys' juvenile facility where she what? was again sexually assaulted, exposed to drugs, and denied medical and mental health care. With a 100-pound girl, what do you think happens in this facility? She's again sexually assaulted. She runs away. And, and then again is found by yet another pedophile who traffics her more and takes her into Texas. Texas finally has the wisdom to return her to her parents. Oh. This is the horror, the horror that this child went through. Because of her experiences, Sage has undergone intensive inpatient and outpatient therapy to address the multiple incidents of extreme trauma. She has also been diagnosed with complex PTSD. Frankly, it is cruel and irresponsible for school officials to be encouraging confusion, gender confusion in, in particularly traumatized, uh, you know, young girls with histories of mental health. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin has been vocal about Sage's case and recently implemented new guidance in Virginia mitigating some of the policies that led to Sage's experience. And she says, I don't remember who I was, Nana. I just wanted to have friends. Wow. She will need trauma therapy because it is complex PTSD for the rest of her life.
But it, I mean, that doesn't mean she's not and won't have you know a happy life. But she will always struggle with with flashbacks of horrible, horrible memories. But I will just love her through them all. Wow. You know, these. Can I just say that that lawyer, like, I want her oh, on my side. I know, right? Like, she was on it. She was just really well versed in the 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 transgender ideology and and you do the long-awaited film the sound of freedom is premiering at the you museum do of the body take it to the root what happened all of that stuff would yeah. never have transpired yeah if the schools hadn't been trying to transition her without her parents they stole knowledge. my right to protect my daughter i'm the parent i'm the expert on my child you know we have a good friend uh tanya joy and her daughter um is a transgender transgendered into a boy and she's not a boy tanya knows the very name that god gave her for her daughter yeah and her dad uh, who was a christian left the faith and now affirms this and and she lives with a boy so she's a gay lesbian -y, no she's transgender yeah she's heterosexual she just wants to be loved Right. And she wants attention. And it's all about what she said was, I just want attention. Kids, uh, their brains aren't fully developed. They will do anything to be special, anything to fit in. I anything lied to stand on out. my eye exam to get glasses because I thought that it would make me special. Yeah, I did too. Thankfully, it didn't actually ruin my eyes because I couldn't wear them because it hurt my eyes. Yeah, now I have to wear glasses. I don't know. If, I, don't, I, I don't know. I just wanted glasses. Yeah. Because somehow I thought it would make me special. Well, and now you can get clear glasses. That's what other people do. I did get clear glasses from Claire's Boutique. And I wore them. And I remember going to school and everybody's like, oh, Michelle, you have glasses now? And I remember it really hurt my eyes to wear them. And I remember the teacher being like, Michelle, why aren't you wearing your glasses? You're not wearing your glasses. And I'm like, you know, I just stopped wearing them because it hurt my eyes to wear the glasses that I lied about to wear my glasses. Children are stupid. Okay. I wanted a nickname, so I invented one because I didn't like Shelly, and I came up with Mitch. I wasn't transgender. I wasn't a homosexual. I definitely was boy crazy at that age. I just wanted a nickname because all the people that I knew that had nicknames were special. How much more are these kids changing their genders because they want to seem special? Guess what? These kids should be at home with their families. They should be homeschooled, and they should be nurtured and loved and loved and all the other kids that do not have families that love them and cherish them the church should be running school programs for them not public indoctrination centers some virginia school divisions appear to be entering a face-off with the state and parents groups over youngkin's model policies making the prevention of grooming all the more difficult sage's tragic story demonstrates the importance of parental involvement youngkin spokeswoman said uh, for sage and students parents and teachers across the commonwealth the governor will continue to empower parents and ensure their privacy dignity get your kids out of public school please get them out now you know what this is an example of socialization gone wrong Everybody's you know, like, oh, I don't want to homeschool my kid because they don't want to be socialized. They're socialized right now into, first in the 90s, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And that's what they were socialized into. And then those parents have created this next generation. It's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle vat of toxic waste that is creating It's not mutants. just the parents. I just, have any of you spoken to, to, to children in school? 
Have any of you, do you just, do you not even talk to your kids? Do you not know children in school? Because I've talked to kids in school. Every single one of them has to deal with, and I hear it all the time now. It makes me cringe. I feel so bad. Mo Molly is, uh, she is um, polysexual or she's transsexual. Or We heard the other day that um, a young a boy, he was like 10 years old. He liked the girl and he got made fun of. Because he liked the girl that called herself, um, oh, it's a word I don't even know. It's not bisexual. It's um, who cares? It's something. It's one of those. It's one of those ones. Okay. And if you want to be special, you have to stick out. You have to be. And and the sticking out right now is about sexuality, and it is kindy on steroids. Yeah. It is all about depopulation, eugenics, destroying the mind, destroying society, destroying families. So that I'm just going to end with this. God created men and women to complement each other. And when you blur those lines, yeah, that's good. then you, it's, it's a lock and a key that don't work. Um, it's, it's a, it, it's a pancake without maple syrup. Oh dear God. Okay. That's the, that's what you want. I don't know. What we yeah, Some people like bread. pancakes with just butter. It, I'm trying to find a, of two things that need to, to complement each other and go well together that you need two things that work because men are awesome and they're very different than women and women are wonderful and stop hating women and stop hating men stop hating each other we've all been guys feel sorry for each other we've all been brainwashed we've all been kinseyized um the devil wants us to pit men against women and women against men when i just take it back to rockefeller carnegie and ford yeah you know all of you who think it's feminism it's not feminism feminism is um is a fruit, but it's not the root. A rotten fruit. Okay. Feminism was designed, honestly, one of those things where it's like the men are having an affair, so I will too. Mm -hmm. Okay. It was men who uh, pushed Alfred Kinsey in the first place. It was men who pushed eugenics. They were the scientists who pushed eugenics. It was men, Ford, Carnegie, Rockefeller, all these evil men. Right. And Rockefeller's daughter became a radical feminist and he pushed that and fdr pushed women working and two income families and so now you have a bunch of women who need good male leadership who love god who will take care of their wives who take care of their daughters and, and if there's no good women around you just be a great man and god listen god will bring you a good wife because there's plenty of good females out there all right but we need you men to to not be bitter to not be angry to be the best man, be all that you can be in God's army. Okay? Read your Bible, love Jesus, and join us at Bards Fest. And join us at Bards Fest September 21st through 23rd. Now, now, Wednesday night was powerful. So good. Um, we are, we introduced you guys to the Resistance Chicks healing ministry team, which is, uh, consists of Jason Heidinger and his wife, Cassie, which Cassie wasn't there. Um, and John and Stacey Barnes and Samantha Lindell. They are there for you um, because we recognize that a lot of you guys need prayer. And we've been talking about pornography and addiction and deliverance. And so um, if you guys need prayer and you need deliverance from pornography, you send me an email, massfaith33, M-A-S-F-A-I-T-H-33 at gmail.com. And I'm going to connect you with John and Stacey. And they will pray with you. Mm -hmm. We had them on 
Revelation Red Pill this past week to talk about yeah. the past the, the previous three weeks of Revelation yeah. Red Pill. And it was fire, especially the prayer at the end. Guys, mm -hmm. we are going to turn this world around. And Samantha said something very poignant to mm -hmm. us. You know, we went for, I, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember exactly what she said, but the sentiment is the same. You know, for a thousand years, you know, we didn't have anything like electronic wise, you know, mm -hmm. for thousands of years. And then all of a sudden we go from like the microwave to the iPhone or we go for, you know, in, in 40 years mm -hmm. or we go from, you know, when was electricity, the early 1900s to where we are at today. And in one generation, an entire world can be turned around. Absolutely. In one generation. And we, and I, you know, I have to end with this. I was going to just talk, tell them about Dr. Sherry real quick. Go ahead. I'm going to pull up a video. All right. So you guys, I want you to go to Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, drtenpenny.com. Um, That's DR. DR. And it go to her on walking with God Substack. Okay. Um, she's got her, is it? Okay. Dr. Tenpenny on walking with God. So you can go to Tenpenny walking with God Substack and read what's happened to her. She um, is struggling um, she is physically. She doesn't know she was attacked, but she had undiagnosed high blood pressure. I think it was the, just the nervousness of being attacked. Uh, they stole her medical license. And so um, she still is is working hard to, to get information out. If you are a patient with her, uh, other doctors who are seeing patients, you can go to um, Dr. Uh, Tenpenny, drtenpenny.com uh, forward slash uh, defend, um, DRT, DRT, Dr. DRT, I'm not sure. Dr. T. Dr. T. Dr. T. Defend Dr. T. Defend Dr. T. So, uh, our thoughts and prayers, and we are just standing behind Dr. Tenpenny. Uh, we got the, we had the privilege of recording her hearing. That was a sham we hearing. We live streamed it. We live streamed it. They pulled um, the YouTube live stream of that hearing at the Ohio Medical Board. Yeah. So uh, she is, uh, is she is fine and in good hands. She has been blessed with an abundance of great care from our amazing wellness friends and is focused on resting and taking the time needed to recover. We have seen incredible progress already. Prayer and healing from the root goes a long way. She has been and continues to be a bedrock and guiding force on the front lines of truth and freedom. Keep uh, up prayers for complete recovery pouring in. She's sure that's why she's gaining ground so quickly. That's awesome. So I shared this video yesterday of Kirk Cameron. If you guys aren't tuning into our Revelation Red Pill on oh, Wednesday. Think yeah, of the news. New lockdowns coming. More crimes. This idea that the world must get worse and worse Ooh. and worse for us to be raptured out of here is uh, essentially brand new in the history of the world. It's mm -hmm. only 100, 150 years old. And it's not where God is taking us. Mm -hmm. We are advancing the kingdom of God. And I love the way that Kirk... Uh, explains this here. So I've shared this video on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, go and grab it and share it with everyone that you know. We have got to stop with this defeated mindset because it is our job to bring heaven to earth. It is our job to advance the kingdom of God. And we must debunk this modern end times theory, this rapture ideology that we're just going to get sucked. At. God comes back for a victorious bride of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. It just keeps increasing. There's no defeat of the church. There's no sucking us out of here while the devil reigns on this earth. The devil devil has been defeated and it's our job to manifest that here on earth. So listen to Kirk. Think of the news, new lockdowns coming, more crime, border problems, international problems, inflation, toxic clouds, spy balloons, China, Russia, Ukraine, the economy, the World Economic Forum, drag queens, child mutilation. How do you respond? Sad for our kids? Sorry they have to grow up during this time? Are you feeling rapture fever? 
What if, what if this national setback is really a divine setup for a spiritual comeback led by the family of faith? Don't be sad and cry in your Chick-fil-A soup. Waiting for Jesus to take you and your children out of this world. I think Jesus is waiting for us and our children to pick up our Bibles and take charge of this world as joyful warriors, grateful for the gospel and the Holy Spirit power that has set us free and bring heaven to earth by obeying his commands. I love it. It's, I mean, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't get any better than so that. So we put that video up on our resistance tricks and half of you got it and get the red star and the other half are waiting for Jesus to wrap you, wrap you out. So. Guys, if you're new to um, resistance chicks, that's us, you will find that we are not sitting here, sitting on our hands. It says occupy until he comes. We are to advance the kingdom of God. That is our mission. That is the goal. We are... The, all of heaven is invading earth and it has been doing so for 2000 years and it's just going to continue to do so yes, until the culmination of that actually happening. And it's amazing. So if you want to learn more about that, you can tune into our Revelation Red Pill, go to resistancechicks.com and click on the shows, go down to Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays slash Academy and watch them all. You're only 28 episodes behind. All right, we'll see you guys next time, Sunday, for our World News Program. It's our most one of our most popular shows. Until Revelation Red Pill was the most popular show. Now Revelation Red Pill, I think, is edged out front there on popularity. So uh, we'll see you Wednesday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget, in two weeks, we will not be here. We will not be here, but you'll be able to tune in on Rumble and watch but Sports Fest. We have a new P we have a P.O. Box. P.O. Box, yes. I actually got some coffee from our friends uh, Kevin and Christine Taylor today with an amazing note. I would have brought it down here to read, but I forgot. Um, and thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, but we do like to read your letters on air. We want to take the fact that you're in this box, or you're not. You're sitting in your home or in your car or at work or wherever you're at. And uh, and it seems like we're in a box. This box that we're in. This this box. But we're not. We are, we're flesh and blood. Look at the flesh and blood. And Leah's torturing my flesh and blood with stupid jumping jacks um so inside joke story but i will tell you at some point if i can walk again um we are flesh and blood you are flesh and blood and we like to connect that and letters that get sent in the mail and we can read out loud really do a good job of that so if you want to send us your letters let you know let us know who you are how you found us how we have impacted you how god has changed your life we literally thrive on those so if you tell us not to read your letter on air we won't we get those um but i love to have the ones that we can read on air so p.o box 107 milford ohio 45150 we want to hear from you guys okay we'll see you on sunday 1 30 p.m be there be square bye guys god bless I was cold, all alone. No